Welcome to another week on Let's Get Real with Coach Menachem Show, Sunday Nights. Originally a Zoom interactive platform where we discuss real life scenarios with real live people. Hi everybody, welcome to tonight's amazing share with Coach Menachem Bernfeld. And tonight is a very special share because we're almost by share 200 tonight. We're starting share 101 and we're ready Kamat at 200. So it's a big, big honor to be here tonight. We have Rabbi Yom and Wanrib over here, a local, not from, not from far away, from Tallymore, from Jackson, from Palms River, New Jersey, Lakewood. And I'm much looking forward. First, I want to thank everyone again, like every week, all the people that come every week for this year that, uh, you know, that we grew together and Baruch Hashem, 101 Shirem is, is a lot, it's a lot to say. A lot of hours of talking Torah, that's I can tell you. And uh, for, you know, I want to thank everybody for posting on the WhatsApp statuses and emailing their friends, their family, telling people about it. Again, if anybody wants to be part of it, just uh, WhatsApp me at 848-525-0066. Or you could email, or you can go to menachemburnfall.com, Menachem's website. You can sign up to get a weekly email. And for all those people that are watching this later on the replay, you can click on the like button for Coach Menachem, or you can click on the subscribe button. And Monday morning, in about a few hours when he uploads a share, you get a ding and you get to watch every share. And uh, let's start off first with thanking all the advertising sponsors over here in Lakewood, the Lakewood Scoop, Robbie and Yanuf from Chazak, Ariel and Ellie and Ariel from Five Town Central. A special thank you to Chayla Kaufman and Shulsam from JCN for, all the, for the Jewish Content Network for always promoting us to all the digital Jewish platforms. Coach Menachem's show is collaborating with OK Clarity to bring greater health and wellness to the Jewish community around the globe. OK Clarity is the online platform for mental health support in the Jewish community. Okay, Clarity, you find the best therapists, coaches, nutritionists, engage in forums, and stay inspired. Menachem sends out the replay, the links, the links will be there. Um, again, for anybody who's here the first time, every Sunday night, 9.30 Eastern time, we have a different share, different topic, therapists, different rubs. It's really been unbelievable. It's been an unbelievable journey. And uh, it's just been really, really unbelievable. Um, I was just away for Shabbos and went to Keshenashi. I know I spoke about it many times. It's an amazing organization for people that have struggling teenagers, people that are dealing with that parsha, kids. And um, it was just such an uplifting Shabbos. So if you see me tired, because I didn't sleep in three days, and it was just such a powerful, powerful Shabbos. So happy. And a lot of people that have been on the share were there and uh, we schmoozed it out. So that's what I'm talking about. That next Sunday, Mishem, May 15th. We're having a little bit of a repeat of what we had once, one of our best year that we had with Dr. World Famous. This is World Famous. Dr. Akiva Perlman and his wife, Mrs. Dr. Rebinson, PhD, Saidi, she does not a PhD, Saidi, uh, Tamar Perlman, um, two of the best, you know, probably professional professors, therapists today in the industry. I spent with them Shabbos, so we're definitely going to discuss something. Uh, they really want to get into the topic of marriage in a very you know, deep level. So hopefully this should be a phenomenal share. And please, please tell everybody about it. For anybody who's looking to get married, married, any, any type of relationship definitely should be by the share. And um, it should be unbelievable. So I don't have the exact name of the topic because after the whole shops of talking, we still didn't come up with the name of the topic, but definitely marriage related. And tonight we have this close and having, not the world famous, you know, definitely Lakewood famous, Rabbi Binyamin, White Wine Red, but after tonight's share, Metchem will become world famous. And if everybody doesn't know who he is, if anybody lives in Lakeland, I'm sure they heard of Morty Stiebel. I did a little research on Morty Stiebel, and the people that all told me that Morty Stiebel is a very highly good place. That's all they told me. I don't know what that means, 
said it's a very holy place. So maybe we can discuss what it is. And um, I don't know, maybe I can walk over every shadow. So it's a three hour walk, how long? Something like that. So we'll get into that. Again, um, we're going to do a gamatria. Tonight's share is 101. Arna Echri came up with two gamatrias tonight for tonight's share. Rabbi Yaman, tell me if it's a good gamatria. You ready? For tonight's topic, stay connected with Abishta. First gamatria, he came up with Lev Avinu, to be connected to Abishta's heart. Next, first gamatria. Second gamatria is Koyach HaChayim. Koyach for your life. You need to have a connection to Abishta. Those are the two. Amazing. Good? Works? It works for the share. Okay. We'll start off first with opening the words. Zivay Bracha. Sicha, a coach, Menachem Berber. Welcome, everyone. Let's get real with Coach Menachem. Yes, Baruch Hashem, um, share number 101. And Hashem should give us Koyach to continue. Baruch Hashem, it's just amazing, have, you know, with uh, little that we know what we're doing to see the results coming back. And I heard a little bit from Usher about the Shabbos. I, I wasn't there, but. Um, I did get a little bit of feedback and I want to say thank you for all of those with all the positive feedback about the shir. Tonight we have this chus to have with us, Rebbe Yom Weinrib, and like we heard, his, the shtibel is, is a heiliger place. And um, wherever I go in Lakewood, it's, it's something different and there is something uh, that pulls. Now, sometimes you can't explain it. Like I say many times, a feeling you, you can't put into words. It's something that it's sometimes in the ear. It's a, a feeling. It's it's a ruach. So we'll maybe we'll get a little bit tonight about it. Um, but tonight's topic: the three keys to staying connected as we mature. So it's I'm sure everybody with the questions that they sent in, everybody has questions based on where they are in life. But um, everybody matures differently. But talk about coming from yeshiva, seminary, and getting married. Things change. Things don't stay the same. And sometimes we we're scared of change. And the truth is, marriage, and it can be kids, when they get older, they really bring out a lot of us. That it's possible that we ourselves are not, are not even aware of these things. And I'm, I'm, that's probably one of the reasons why Hashem put it, made it this way. We're, we're here for, for, for a ticking and through the things in our life, through the situations, and there's automatically growth. So certain things we wanted to go one way and we find out that we need to figure out different ways. We have to figure out, is this what I want? Is this what Hashem wants? Am I here for myself? Or for Hashem. So things change. And for those people, what that change is hard for them. Sometimes it's forced, forced on them. They, you just can't continue. You have to figure out what school you're gonna send and where and, and she wants and he wants and, and it doesn't work for one child. You have to figure out, and it really boils down to I would love if all my kids would be in that school and would look that way, but it doesn't always work out the same. And so we slowly start to figure out things inside of us. And it's a lot of self-awareness, which we'll discuss. Um, I remember after I got married, I had a chavrusa. We were learning. He, was, he went to work. And basically what came out, he told me, he didn't tell it to me, but he was feeling the same way as his father. He's basically 
he, he, he got that feeling as, Baruch Hashem, I got there already. Where did you get to? You know, my father had a Dafyoimi shir, and I started Dafyoimi. My father works, and I work, and I am Amkeveitim, and here I am, just like my father, here I am. And he was 21. His father was 50 years old. So I, I didn't tell it to him, but you need to realize that your father got to where he got to with the growth of life, that whatever came up, whatever he worked on himself, and he got to where he is with, with Avoida. And you are only starting now. So, you know, it feels sometimes, yeah, with there, there's work, there's change. And to do it all by ourselves, you know, we want to go home and figure things out. Sometimes it gets hard. So we do need help, whether it's from friends, from others, to, to be able to figure out where am I. Talk about the ups and downs that we have in life. Once we start living life, there are highs and lows. And the, the highs are geschmack. The lows are not so geschmack. We don't like it, but we have to figure out how to live with it because that's part of life. So, Baruch Hashem, we have with us the schus to have Rabbi Weinrib, which I think a lot of this he does with his oilem, with his chevra. And hopefully tonight he'll be able to help us and everybody can ask their questions where they are in life. And in Mitzvah Shem, we'll get guidance with a lot of siyata de Shemayah. Beautiful opening. Again, we're going to get into tonight to the topic of, again, I don't know, the three keys of staying connected as we mature, as we get older. It's not only the second you leave yeshiva, the second you leave seminary. Obviously, that's, 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 the, that's the core. That's when you, know, you feel the biggest transition in life. But it's as you go through life, you, know, you feel sometimes less and less connected that we got to work on that connection. We've got to really work on it. It's, it's, not, it's not a simple thing. It's something I think that all of us deal with. Um, I see a few of the emails that came in already, you know, just saying, you know, I was in this place and now I'm here. Just how do you stay passionate about Yiddishkeit, you know, afterwards? So, I'm going to read his bio and then Hashem is going to open it up. Rabbi Yaman Weimariv is the Rav of Al Mordechai, better known as Morty Stiebel in Jackson, New Jersey, the Palomar Stiebel in Tom's River. The short time he's helped facilitate a warm, open environment, allowing young men from all backgrounds to find places to dive in, learn, grow together, and most importantly, call a home. Why, Rabbi Weinrib is a Talmud of the Yeshiva of Philadelphia, Mary Shlaimut, Mushpah, Rabbi Yitzhak Berkowitz of Jerusalem, Kailo. We're still working to get him on the program, by the way. Growing up in the environment of Torah Rabbanis, he follows family members and, mas and masterfully messes uh, learning with the meshes, I'm sorry. Meshes learning with the warm and passion of the early family Hasidic roots. His delivery Torah and nationality broadcast from Rengen, Shirim, and written Chizik reached a wide audience in contemporary and engaging format. Maintains a close connection with Rabbi Yitzhak Berkowitz, Yosef Elephant, Rabbi Bernie, <laughs> Moshe Weinberger, and others. Rabbi Weinberg lives in Tom's River, New Jersey, and his wife Leah and their two beautiful daughters. It's to have Rabbi Yaman Weinberg with us. floor is yours. Just want to uh, just want to give you guys not just for this, but for everything that you guys have been doing. I, I just you know once once people heard that I was coming on the program, I got so many texts and and WhatsApps from people saying how much they gained from the program from the past. He said this is sheer hundred one from the past hundred year. It's, it's it's something which is so unique. You know, so many of the programs that take place is you bring in a rav, you bring in a, a you know a therapist, and the person speaks. I think what you're what both of you are doing is something which is very very different from what the average you know program is it's a conversation and it's a sikhs khaverim and there's there's an interaction and people can ask questions and you're not putting somebody up you know on a pulpit and saying okay give your dais and then you know everyone's going to go back home but it's 
it facilitates real conversation. I think that's where the real change happens when there's real conversation. So big yes to you know both you Rabasha and Avnachem for doing for doing these past hundred shirim. I know again I've gotten texts and WhatsApps of people whose lives have been changed by different programs. Everybody connects to something different, but people who really really haven't changed by this you know informal sichas chaverim that takes place every Sunday night. So yes on behalf of all of Klal Yisrael for everything that you guys have been doing. It's really, really tremendous. The, sec- the second thing I just want to say is you said Morty Shtiel was a Halika place. Morty Shtiel was a Halika place because of the people that are there. A thousand percent. It's Halika because it's Halika people. That's why I said there's nothing about the place that's Halika. It's the people that make it Halika. Baruch Hashem Tal and Morty also, Baruch Hashem have the big schos to hang around. A lot, a lot of Halika people. And that's, uh, that's what makes these places Halika. So Baruch Hashem, it's, it's my schos. So I, I'm here tonight to talk about a topic. I, I don't consider myself to be a topic on any, to be an expert in any topic. You know, I'm young. I don't consider myself to be an expert. Uh, I'm here, Pasha, to give over that which I've gained from my own life experience, from what I've heard from other people, and to try to, to, try to schmooze it through. Again, to schmooze it through as a, in an informal way, to try to gain from each other's questions, answers, to try to schmooze it through in a proper way. Rabbi Tzadik writes, in Sitkis Tzadik, that when every one of us say in davening every day, we're not davening that we should all become rabbanim and rabbeim and mashpiim and seminary teachers. Lilmoid ulalamid means I want to learn lilmoid ulalamid. I push. I want to give over that which I've experienced in my own life, that which I've learned. I want to share with other people, and that's hopefully we're going to do tonight. Is lilmoid? I can share a little bit of that which the experience I've had in my own life and the experience of the people whose lives you know I've been in contact with over the past few years and some of the challenges and the solutions and some of the things they've dealt with. So hopefully we'll be able to uh, be able to do it in a way which is. Helpful for everybody, practical. I think it's very important that it should be something which is practical, not just to talk, you know, up up here in the Meichem, but to really talk in a way which is practical to take something out of and hopefully discuss something which will all come out a little bit, a little bit more connected to the Rabbanishama and to each other. So the topic we're discussing tonight is how to stay connected. I think it's not just when a person leaves yeshiva, maybe more importantly, when a person leaves Kailo. It could be a single guy who's leaving yeshiva. It happens often when a person leaves Kailo, a girl leaves seminary, a girl gets married. It, there's a certain transition which takes place in a person's life when he moves from point A to point B. And it's a very, very shocking transition which takes place. And many times people feel like they don't have any direction. They don't have clear guidance and where they're supposed to go. What are they supposed to be doing? What's their role? How has it changed from when they're in yeshiva, in cult, when they're working? What, what, what's different? How is the learning supposed to be different? How is everybody this Hashem supposed to be different? How do they interact with the world in a different way? And there's a big change that takes place, and it's very difficult for people to really figure out how to make that transition and to do it in a way that they feel confident that they're making the moves which are right, confident that they're doing Ratz and Hashem, and confident that they're, that they're in the right place that they're supposed to be. And it's something which I think everybody struggles with at a different point. Like, you know, Coach Menachem said this, people that are struggling with it at 30, 40, 50, but everybody at some point has to, has to ask themselves the question, what am I doing? Why am I doing it? What's my tachlis? How do I figure out where I'm going in life? When a person's in yeshiva, or in Kailo, or in seminary, it's very easy. There's a certain path that's set out for them. And you just, you follow the path. You go from eighth grade to ninth grade to 10th grade. You follow the path. You do what Rebbeim tell you to do. You, you know, you, you show up to Seder, you show up to Yeshiva. You do the proper, the proper Avaida that you're supposed to do. And it's very clear that the, what you're supposed to be doing is very clear. And at a certain point in a person's life, as they mature, they have to start figuring out for themselves, what, what does it mean to really be serving Hashem? What is Ratzon Hashem? How do I do what the Rabban Hashem wants? And to really figure out what, what their new role and what their new tachlas in life is, right? There's Chanoich Lenaro Pidarkoi, which is the years that a person spends in Yeshiva, Kailo Seminary. And then there's the Gam Kiyaskin, Lo Yasser Then, okay, I've gotten older. I want to make sure Lo Yasser I stay connected to that path that I was on in Yeshiva. And that's really what we're going to be discussing tonight is how do I do that? What does that transition look like? What, what are the difficulties that take place within that transition? 
And hopefully, what are the practical aids that we can do as a chaver together to try to figure out how to stay connected? You know, we're, we're, we're holding you know, not many days before Lag Ba'imer. And if you look at the story of the Gemara and Shabbos about Rabbi Shimon Baruchai exiting the cave, he also went through the same transition. Shimon Baruchai sitting and learning Torah Umnasai. Shimon Baruchai sitting with the Rilaza in the cave for 12 years. They think nothing. About, they think about nothing other than Torah and Tila. So only two things are involved in. Food's there for them. Drinks there for them. Everything's taken care of. Apostle like sitting in yeshiva. Everything's taken care of. Shema Barche leaves the cave. He leaves the ma'ara, and he has to know how to interact with Chayisha, how to interact with the world. And it doesn't work out the first time Shema Barche leaves. Shem tells him you're trying to destroy the world. Go back in the cave. You have to figure out how to make that transition from in the cave, whatever a person's cave is, whatever a person's ma'ara is, whatever a person's teva is. To be able to go to the outside world where the Ransham tells Nayak, you were in the Teva, you were in the Ma'ara, you were in the Kailal, you were in seminary, you were in a place where things were clear, and now it's Seymanat Teva. Now there's an avoid of a cave. There's a void of leaving that comfort, that clarity, and going into a world where you have to figure it out on your own. And it's a challenge and it's difficult. And some of the challenges are practical challenges. How do I deal with Chayshim Mishpat issues? How do I deal with Shmir Sanayim issues? How do I make sure that I know how to have the proper balance between male-female relationships? How do I make sure that I get a good job? Some of them are practical challenges, but a lot of the challenges that are really bothering us are things which take place internally. How do I make sure that I'm still a success if I'm not learning the whole day? How do I make sure that I'm still, I'm still connected to Hashem if I don't have the ability to be sitting on listening to Shirim the whole day? How do I make sure that the Avodah Hashem is part of my every aspect of my life? And those are the issues that, that I think we want to talk about tonight, not the practical ones, which are, okay, how do I get a job? What do I do? What, what's my Avodah? How do I make sure that I have you know, proper, proper balance between family and, and work? But more the internal issues that take place and the feelings that take place, the emotional feelings that take place when a person makes that transition and the challenges and feeling, feeling like a success when the term of success has been shifted from what it was when you were in yeshiva to what it is when you're working, to what it is when you're in Eish Chayel, when you're just bringing up a family and involved in something totally different than, than you were when you were in high school and seminary. And to try to figure out what success looks like and to try to be able to talk about it properly. Right? It's, it's confusing. A person in yeshiva sitting and learning the whole day. Suddenly you're learning 45 minutes, an hour a day is, is already considered good. You're doing dafiyami, it's amazing. But how do I make sure that, that, that I'm still connected to Avaydis Hashem? I know what Ratzan Hashem is constantly. And I think that the problem is both for men and perhaps even stronger for women. Right? A woman comes back from seminary and it's challenging. There's no, there's no structure for a woman in which she's able to grow the same way a man. A man has to go to shul. A man goes to shul, shachras mincha mayrev, and there's chever there, and there's a rav there, and there's somebody you can talk to. For a woman, it's much more challenging. Single or married, there's no real structure built for them. There's no real platform built for them where they can say, okay, how do I, how do I grow as a, as a woman? How do I grow as a wife? of somebody who's out working or somebody who's learning, what's my avoida? How do I make sure that I'm, I'm growing? That's really the challenge that we want to talk about. That, that avoida of leaving the ma'ara, leaving the cave, leaving the teva, and no one going to enter into the world in a healthy way, in a way where a person feels confident about themselves. If we don't feel good about the, way, about the way we are interacting with the world, if we don't feel good about ourselves, then automatically the ability to have a good shalom bias is going to be affected. The ability to bring about children in a healthy way is going to be affected. If the father and mother don't feel like, feel like a success, automatically the children feel that. Even if it's never set out right, the children feel that. And the children say, we're being brought, home, or being brought up in a home in which the parents don't feel, like, don't feel like successes. They feel like failures. And then the children feel that energy and it hurts the children as well. So we have to figure out how do we ensure that, we're, that we feel successful? How do we know what success looks like? And how do we get to the point of success? That's really the challenge we're going to go through. And again, everybody has it in their own way in different areas. But that's the challenge I want to talk to about, talk about the kids here. So uh, let's try to talk about the solution. 
And we'll talk about it very big kitzer. There's a lot to talk about. There's, there's, it's a tremendous, it's, it's, it's a very large topic. It's a lot to talk about. I'll try to talk about very big kitzer. And like Abashar and, you know, Coach Menachem said, through the questions, I think we'll flesh out a lot of the questions, a lot of, you know, a lot of these topics and really be able to get to the oymic, the panemius of what we're really talking about. So first of all, before we get, before we get into, you know, it's, it's called, we, we call this uh, the shir, the sikhs chaverim, the three keys. Before we get into the three keys, I think, I think it's important, just two very, very pashtag damas. And then we'll get into the three keys. The first like, dhamma is that in order to really be able to even have this conversation, we need to change our mindset about the matzav that we're in. Many times, a person who leaves yeshiva, who leaves seminary, a person who's out in the working world, looks at themselves as being in a matzav of b'dyeved. Before I was l'chatchila, before I was b'shem before everything in my life was exactly the way it should be, and now I'm living in a b'dyeved. Now, Nebuch, Adam Rishon was cursed. I need to work for. I need to work in order to be able to make money. But my whole matziv of life is a matziv of b'diavid. And again, if we live like that and we feel like failures inside, even if we're going through the motions and we're showing up to shachras and we're showing up to the daf and we're putting on tefillin and we're doing what we need to do, but if we feel like we're in a matziv of b'diavid, we're automatically not going to be able to even begin this conversation. We have to recognize that there is a nula chatchila. Nula chatchila when a person was in seminary or in yeshiva was one thing. Show up to shirim, show up to classes, learn, put in the Avedis Hashem that you're supposed to in, in yeshiva. When a person is out in the world, in the working world, when a person moves from one arena to the other, there's a brand new lechatchila. And the matzav that you're in is a brand new lechatchila and you're in a place where you're not a bidyevid. This is your new lechatchila. You're not a great, you're not a, you know, a class B citizen. You're not, you're not, you're not one under everybody else. You are in the best matzav that you can be. And you just have to figure out how to utilize the matzah that you're in. It's not a bidiyavit, it's a lichatchila. This is where the Rabbanu Hashem put you, and he wants you to figure out how to be an oivet Hashem, and how to find ratzon Hashem within the matzah you're in. If, you, if you're constantly thinking about, I wish I was some, somewhere else, if only I can go back to yeshiva and be back in yeshiva, and that's real, real success, then we can't even begin this conversation. It needs to begin with the recognition that wherever we are, wherever we find ourselves, because of whatever situation, whether it's financial situations put us, that, put us into that place, or is the fact that we weren't, weren't capable of sitting and learning, or that that's what, what, for whatever reason the matzah that we find ourselves in right now is the lachatchila. This is the way that Rabbi Hashem wanted it to be, and we just have to figure out how do I figure, how do I recognize what Ratzon Hashem is in this moment? Right, the Masil Sisharim Ramchal says at the end of Masil Sisharim, it's such powerful words. He writes, You can be a chassid gomer. This is at the end, at the end of the Masil Sisharim, the last paragraph he ends with. You can be a chassid, and he's talking about the ultimate chassid, not just, it doesn't just mean somebody wearing a shrimal on a bekesha, so about a real chassid, a person can be a chassid gomer, somebody, somebody has the ability to sit and learn a BMG for 40, 50 years, on the same level, somebody, because of whatever reason, he's involved not in some fancy job, not in some great job where he's a big bal chesed and he's being honored by dinners. Somebody who's involved in a basic menial job. As long as you're involved in as long as you're involved in doing what you're supposed to be doing for the Rabbani Shalom, then you're in the Matzah of and you can be a chassid gomer the same way as somebody who's sitting and, and involved in a way where you just have to figure out what is my new but I'm not in a matzav of bidi evid. We have to tell it to ourselves over and over. The matzav I am in is a lechatchila, and I just have to figure out what the Rabbanu Shem's Ratzin is for me within this matzav. My avoid this Hashem, change. It's not the same. Rabbi Lapiansky is, I think he was the first one that really brought this topic out. 
this book, Ben Torah for Life, which is Kedai for everybody to read, whether you're learning or working, man, man or woman, it's so Kedai to read. But he, he puts it in the context of your Shevet Levi, and then you move to the other Yud Aleph Shvat, and there's 12 Shvatim and Klal Yisrael. You were part of Shevet Levi, and now you take on a new role. Now you're Ruvain Shimon, you're, you're part of another Shevet, and you have to figure out what's my role when I'm part of Shevet Yehuda? What do I do when I'm part of Shevet? Shevet done. What is the avoida in the Shevet that I'm in? And that's the first thing that we need to recognize is we have a new lachatchila. We're not living in a matzah The second thing, which I think is again crucial to do, is we have to we have to widen what our what our version of Yiddishkeit looks like. We, we need to recognize that Yiddishkeit, when a person's sitting and learning in yeshiva, is very very clearly defined. It's sit and learning, and if there's a Shabbos and there's a Yantif and there's avoid of tefillah, but the ikra avoid when a person's sitting and learning in yeshiva is to learn. The ikra avoid when a person's in seminary is to be involved in Torah in, 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 in a way of Musr, in a way of Ashkaf, in a way of practical halacha, but it's being involved in the world called Torah. When a person leaves the confines of, of the four walls of yeshiva, a person has to figure out how to, how to find the, the geshmak and Yiddishkeit in every aspect. Shabbos and Yantif become so much more powerful when a person's not involved in sitting and learning the whole, the whole, the whole week, when a person's working the whole week, and a person knows how to utilize a Shabbos properly, knows how to utilize a Hanukkah properly, a Lag Ba'imer properly, a Pesach, a Shavuos, a Sfirot Ha'imer, it changes your life automatically. Your Yiddishkeit's Kashmak, and your children are able to see that maybe my father's not sitting and learning, maybe he's not involved in the way you know, in, in what I'm capable of doing right now while I'm in Yeshiva. But my father finds a Kashmak in Yiddishkeit. My mother finds a Kashmak in Yiddishkeit. Pesach is a beautiful Yantif, and now Shabbos is Kashmak. Shabbos is enjoyable to figure out how to make Yiddishkeit Kashmak in all areas. And I think those are the two basic Atamas that we need. Again, there's a lot more to talk about, but first of all, we are in the matzav of lechatchila. Wherever we find ourselves is the lechatchila that the Rosh put us in. The second, the second important akdama is that we have to figure out how to broaden our version of Yiddishkeit. Yiddishkeit is no longer limited to you know sitting and learning and sitting and being involved in, in terasa umnasay. Now it's more than that. Shemar Bayechay was terasa umnasay. That was what he was supposed to be doing. Now we have a bigger, a larger. A larger version of what Yiddishkeit is. Now there's tefillah, now there's now the Shabbos and Yantiv, and of course those things are important when a person's in yeshiva as well. But they become so much more important. They're a lifesaver when a person's out on the world to recognize to make Yiddishkeit kishmak every aspect of it, every chelik of Yiddishkeit to recognize that it's all part of part of Ratzon Hashem. And my Ratzon Hashem right now is to give tzedakah and to be involved in Shabbos and Yantiv and feel all the parts of Yiddishkeit that automatically will make will make things that much more kishmak. And I think that's the first akdamas before we even get into a conversation is those two akdamas. When, when we talk about the three keys, and again, we'll say very bekitzer, and Ritzel Shemar Basha, and, and you know, Coach Menachem, we'll, we'll, we'll just call you Reb, Reb Coach Menachem, I'm calling Reb Usher, Reb Coach Menachem, whoever goes Reb Coach or Coach Reb, it's like a doctor rabbi, but, uh, but, but, but Coach Menachem and Rabasha, I think, I think we'll talk about it more, but just, we'll talk about it at the beginning, Pasha, the three keys, we, 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 you know, we titled this year, the three keys, I'll talk about the three keys in a very, very Pasha way, in a very simple you know, a condensed way, and we'll, we'll talk about it properly. I think that the three keys that are necessary, aside from these two Akdamas and a lot more, but three keys that I think are very important and are real lifesavers when a person's out there in the world are number one, a person needs a Rebbe, a Selah Harav. It's a mission in Perkyavis, but it's so crucial when a person's in Yeshiva to have a Rebbe who gives you over Mahalach and Limud, and it's crucial that when a person goes out into the world, a person finds a Rebbe who's going to give them a halacha limud of how to live on them outside of the base medrash. To find somebody who's able to understand you, to recognize what you're going through, to understand the challenges that you're dealing with, and to be able to help guide you along that way. And it doesn't have to be some superstar. It doesn't have to be a, a Rebbe who's, you know, a world famous Rebbe, somebody who's, you know, somebody who's, you know, a brand name Rebbe, but somebody who can understand what you're going through, somebody who recognizes the matzav that you're in, 
and has the ability to be able to help you. There's, there's an unbelievable story I read recently about Ari Levine. Uh, Levine was you know, known as, as the ultimate Ayyub Yisrael in Yerushalayim. And he would go around on Erev Shabbos, trying to get people to be, you know, Shemer Shabbos and go through Shukmach and Yehuda, going to the store owners to be mechazek them to, be, to keep Shabbos and to close their stores on Shabbos. And there was one store, there's one store owner which refused to close his store on Shabbos. It was something which many people had come to him before and tried to get him to close his store, but he refused. He constantly refused to close his store. Barry Levine went one Erev Shabbos and sat in front of his store. He sat there in front of his store watching the customers going in and out. So finally, the, you know, the store owner sees there's a rabbi standing in front of Barry Levine, who's a famous, famous, you know, everybody knew who he was. He comes outside and he says, you know, can I help the Rav? Does the Rav need something? Standing here, it's four o'clock on Erev Shabbos. Shabbos after, you know, Erev Shabbos, you're in Shukmach and Can I help you with something? So he said, no. He said, I'm just watching the customers coming in and out of your store. And I'm thinking to myself, what an assignment you have that you have so many customers that come into your store every day. It's probably so difficult and so challenging for you to close your store on Shabbos. And I'm going about the Nisayim you have. I don't know if I was in your matzah, if I, if I would be able to overcome the Nisayim. Instead, he said, Rabbi Levine gave him a kiss on the head and said, have an amazing Shabbos. This year, the store owner came back to Rabbi Levine on Shabbos. And he said, I just want to let the Rav know I closed my store this Shabbos. And Amir Tashem, I'm going to close it every Shabbos of my life. Rabbi Levine said, what changed? I didn't say anything to you about closing your store on Shabbos. He said, yeah, but you were the first rabbi who really understood me. He said, everybody else came and they scream at me and they told me you're terrible and what you're doing is the wrong and you have to close your store on Shabbos and don't worry. He said, you were the first person that came and understood the Nisayin that I was dealing with. He said, I felt like I had a Rav who understood me, then I was able to overcome challenges. Finding a proper Rav, a Selecha Rav means a Selecha, not a say for somebody else. Find a Rav, find a Rebbe, find a Mashpia, somebody who can help you and it's with the challenges that you're going through. And it's so, so important. It's important when you're in yeshiva, but it's so much more important when a person leaves yeshiva. It's crucial when a person's dating, when a person's getting married, shalom bias, bringing up your children, all of these areas, it's so, so important. I can't tell you how many times in my own life, I'm not alive that many years, that, that I've, I, I relied on my Rebbeim and I called my Rebbeim and I spoke to my Rebbeim and Baruch Hashem, a Rebbeim that I'm very close with that I speak to on a weekly basis. And they were so, so helpful, difficult, difficult, challenging times in my life to give me clarity, to give me direction, to help me figure out an outside voice who's able to talk to me and understand me, know what I'm going through, and help guide me through that. And I think that's the first nakuda is that you have to find yourself a Rebbe. If you want to be able to be successful in Yiddishkeit, outside the walls of Yeshiva, find a Rebbe, find a Rav, find a Mashpia, find a Manik, find somebody, a mentor, somebody you can talk to that's, that, has, that has some das, that's able to give over what, what your direction and what you're supposed to be doing. That's the first Nakuda that I think is important. The second Nakuda that I think is important, and again, we're, get, we're going from easy to hard. So we're talking about three Nakudas. The first one, finding a Rebbe is a little bit challenging. You have to find someone who understands you, but it's doable. The second one's a little bit more difficult, and the third one's going to be the most difficult out of all of them. The second one is you have to create a relationship with Hebra. You have to find friends who you're able to really relate to. You know, I mentioned before, you know, Morty Shibel, Tali Morty these are places where we're creating a chevra, we're getting together for the sole purpose of, of connecting to each other to get closer to the Rabban Shalom. You have to find a chevra who you're able to talk openly with and have real meaningful conversations, right? Like what's going on over here. And over here we have, you know, three, 400 people on over here. It's not, it's not easy to be able to know everybody on here. And obviously this is, this is the beginning of the conversation, but to find people, it could be one, two, three, four, five people, a small group of people that you can get together with and talk and schmooze with openly. And it's so important. A person sometimes is working and you come into shul and you daven and you leave shul after and you go back home. 
you need to have a chevra that you're that you're smoozing with in shul. You need to, not you know not within the context of davening, but outside of davening, but before, after, before mincha, to be able to sit by your shul shudas together, by far bring them together to really have real meaningful conversations. It's so so important. And I'm not just talking about somebody who we can complain to. I'm not talking about somebody you can just share all your sorrows with and will give you you know a hug and say everything will be okay. I'm not talking about somebody who can take care of you when you're going through a difficult time. I'm talking about people that you can really open up with. You can make yourself vulnerable to, you can open up, you can talk about what you're dealing with, the challenges that you have, and they're who, they who are dealing with the same challenges can help you get through it. It could be over a safer, it could be in a, you know, it could be done in a way where you're just getting together with tzichas chaverim. You know, many people find it hard to just get together to schmooze, to, you know, in a real productive way. It's, it's, it's difficult and we're not used to it, especially those of us who are men find it even more challenging to open up and to be vulnerable and to talk real you know, let's get real to be, you know, to do it in a real way. We find it challenging to so do it over safer, get together for the sole purpose of learning a safer. Any safer, pick a safer to get together, to schmooze together as a chevra, as a chabura, where the goal is we're trying to get close to Hashem. Not just, okay, we're going to get together to learn dafiyami. We're going to get together for the sole purpose of schmoozing with each other through the issues that we're dealing with together as a chevra. This is so, so important, is having a chevra together. And, you know, when you leave yeshiva, you could be working with other from Yidin, but that's not a chevra. A chevra means a group of people and it could be one or two people. It doesn't have to be a large group. One or two people that I'm getting together, Pasha to grow in, in my way, to talk together about the challenges that we all deal with because we're all in the same world. We're all dealing with the same social pressures and financial pressures and the pressures of, of, of you know, bringing up children in 2022. We're de all dealing with this together. Let's schmooze it through as a chever, to talk in an open way, in a vulnerable, in a real, in a real way, to be able to schmooze properly. That's the second, the second thing that I think it's crucial to have a relationship. The third thing, this is probably out of all three nakudas, the most difficult is a person needs to have an honest, real relationship with themselves. You can have a relationship with the Rebbe, you can have a relationship with friends, but if you don't have a relationship with yourself, first of all, any conversations you have with your friends or your Rebbe are automatically going to be fake because you don't really know who you are. So what are you going to talk to your Rebbe about? Right? I remember that in times, you know, different times I was in yeshiva and people wanted to have a sheiches to the Rebbe, but they didn't have anything to talk to the Rebbe about. So they would make up questions to talk to the Rebbe so that they had something to schmooze about with the Rebbe. That, that's not real. You don't, you don't have a real Rebbe and you don't have real friends unless you have a real self, unless you have a real relationship with yourself. And it's crucial to be able to talk to yourself and to know yourself and to understand what are your milas, what are your chesuenas, what are you dealing with, what are the challenges? You know, we mentioned before, when a person's in yeshiva, the barometer of success is very clear. It's very, very clear. And in seminary, it's very clear what the barometer of success is. Once you leave, it's up to you to define what success is. Nobody could do it for you. Not your Rebbe, not your Chaverim. You need to figure out what are you struggling with? What are your challenges? And in what way you have the ability to grow? There's no, you know, one mashkech that you have to listen to. What's Svarim work for you? What, what works for you in a practical way to really be able to get an emotional, deep connection with yourself is crucial. You know, the Pietzetzner writes in Chavisot Almidim that if a person wants to have what he calls a smadis avoidah, First, wants to be involved in constant growth. The only way you can do it is when you know who you are and what you're capable of. You're not going to be involved in constantly growing if you don't know what you're capable of. If you if you cap out and you say, this is my limit, I'm doing the greatest I can do, and you don't know what you're capable of, you're never going to be able to have proper growth. You need to figure out who you are, what are your milas, what are your chasrainas, what are the things you should be working on, what works for you. you know, there's a, so much of what takes place in our generation is we're going along with the trend. You know, if the trend, if everybody's learning a certain safer, we'll learn it. If everybody's going to a certain schmooze, we'll do it. If everybody's doing a certain avayda, we'll do it. We have to figure out for ourselves what do we need to do. And the only way that happens is when we have alone time with ourselves. If when we sit with ourselves in a quiet place and be able to contemplate and to think, we call us bainanus, you call us bainanus, 
call whatever you call, whatever words you want. But we need to really be able to have honest, real time with ourselves. And that means when you get into a car, not turning on the radio, not even turning on Coach Menachem, not turning on podcasts. It means sitting with yourself and being misbinding. You hear a share from, you know, you're a share from somebody. Now think it through. What does it mean to me in my life? How do I connect to that, what that person's saying? Think it through, have an honest, real relationship. What works for me? What, what makes me feel closer to Hashem? What makes me feel further from the Rabbani Shalom? There's, there's an unbelievable uh, book I'm in the middle of reading by Shlema Hoffman. It was, you know, a, in this world of, of you know, self-awareness. He was a bucky. Somebody lived in Eretz Yisrael. They just put out a second book about him in English. Very good day to read. Books about Shlema Hoffman. I think it's called Conversations. I remember what the book, book is called. Phenomenal, phenomenal books. He writes in there an unbelievable thing. He writes that he used to Davin Aponovich. And Davin Aponovich, Rosh Hashanah and Kippur, Davin Aponovich regularly. And one Rosh Hashanah, he was sitting. He got a seat all the way in Mamashop at the Mizrachvant. And he was sitting opposite Rav Chatzka Levenstein. This is probably the greatest, you know, the greatest Rosh Hashanah he could ever have. Rav Shach was right there in the Mizrachvant. And he was sitting right, right, right across from the Shker Rav Chatzka. And he was there the first day Rosh Hashanah. And the second day Rosh Hashanah, he moved to the back, moved to a different seat. And he said after Rosh Hashanah, Rav Shach asked him, Shach said, why did you move? Is, is everything okay? I didn't, see you, I didn't see you in your regular seat. You know, is everything okay? Were you feeling okay? So Rav Shlema Hoffman told Rav Shach, he said, I'll tell you the truth. He said, looking at Rav Chatzko's face on Rosh Hashanah and watching him daven gave me anxiety. He said, I saw the Yiris Ha'inish and Yiris Ha'inish that Rav Chatzko had during davening, and he gave me anxiety. It didn't work for me. So I moved to a different seat. And Rav Shach said, really? He said, for me, looking at Rav Chatzko, that's like the greatest Pirish Amilis in the davening I'm doing. But Rav Shlema Hoffman had enough self-awareness to know that maybe we would say this is the ultimate, to sit across Rav Chatzko and Rav Shach, Shem often said, it's not working for me. It's not doing it for me. It's not giving me the, the, the aliyah that I need to have. And therefore, I'm going to move to a different place. But we need to figure out how to do that, how to have a real, honest relationship with ourselves. So that way we can know what we should ask our brain, what we should be schmoozing about with our friends, to have a real relationship, to know about what we're doing, to know about where we're going. Now, Rafutner was one time traveling on a train on the subway. He was getting ready to leave his house to go on the subway. They had a train. They were going you know, through Manhattan somewhere. And as they were leaving, the, so the Talmud asked his Rebbe, you know, if Hunter's going on a train, so, you know, all of us would probably take a safer with us, especially if you're a Shashiva. So we asked if Hunter, he said, you know, what safer should I take along to learn on the way? And if Hunter said, one doesn't need to be learning from a safer to fill, to fill their time meaningfully. He said, to sit and to sit and be misbeinant, to sit and think, you could do that on the train, sit and use the time when you're sitting on the train, there's a rhythm going on in the background, it's quiet, it's meditative, you can just sit and be misbeinant. You don't always have to be looking into a safe or be listening to something, be on your phone, be doing something, stop, contemplate, think to yourself, what's the goal of what am I doing? Why am I, why am I putting on tefillin? Why am I lighting Shabbos candles? Why am I davening with a minion? Why am I learning dafiyami? What's the point of what am I doing? What is my avoidance Hashem look like? Start to look, start to dig, start to really figure out for ourselves what it means. Not just going along for the ride. Start to figure out what it really means. You know, Yitzhak Avinu, the psukim, there's many, many psukim which talk about Yitzhak Avinu being chayfer be'eris. It's an odd thing. Yitzhak Avinu is digging wells. He dug, digs the same, the same wells that Avram Avinu dug. But this farm, the Rebbe Rabunim and others farm explained that Avram Avinu needed to search. Avram Avinu needed to go on a path of self-discovery. Nobody gave it to Avram Avinu. Avram Avinu was brought up in a house of Terach, who was an Oivet Avodah who was selling Avodah Avram Avinu needed to be Chaifer Be'eris. Yitzhak was brought up in a house of Avram and Sarah. There was nothing lacking for Yitzhak. But Yitzhak said, if I don't start to ask myself questions, if I don't start to think, if I don't start to be Chaifer Be'eris, to dig underneath the surface, that I'm just going to be just Yitzhak, Yitzhak, but not Yitzhak Avinu. Okay, I was brought up in a great house. I could do all the right moves, but I'm not going to be somebody who's really living a proper life. And that's the third and probably the most difficult and probably the most important of the three relationships. We need to have a relationship with the Rebbe, Aselech HaRav, Aselech HaChavar. But what's the word that's in both of those, both of those sentences? Lacha. 
If there's no lechaf, there's no you, you can't get a Rebbe. If there's no you, you can't get friends. You need to have a relationship with yourself to know yourself, to really recognize what, what's working for you, what's not working for you, what are you struggling with? And then you have the ability to really be able to grow properly. So that's, again, there's a lot more to talk about and hopefully we'll be able to schmooze about it as a chevra together. I think that's the most important thing. But that's a little bit of, you know, with Sakdama about the things that I think are some of the challenges and hopefully some of the eights that we can all, uh, we can all learn from. Oh yeah, Rabbi Weimer, beautiful opening. Okay, take a break for a minute. Let's do a poll. We're gonna get into the questions. We're gonna clarify everything you said. We get really into it. Okay, you just know, Rabbi Weimer, when somebody texts me, there's a, there's a post-seminary class that's all listening to the show. Okay, let's start the poll. Everybody's here tonight. We have like to have Rabbi 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 Ronwood, who uh, people that are in the shul, people know him, say he's an unbelievable person. So turn on your video, be part of it, ask questions, let's understand. Um, so let's start off with a poll. It's actually three questions this time. And uh, everybody answer. Here we go. First question is, in today's working world, how do you connect Hashem? Four options. My shiurim or listening to shmuz and podcasts. Is that how you connect? Number two, I connect with Hashem on Shabbos and Yom Tov during the week, you know, a little bit too hard. Number three, I talk to Hashem multiple times every day. Number four, I really feel connected to Hashem. So those are the three options. First question. Second question. As a wife... How do you stay connected to Hashem? I feel my husband and children's learning, and I feel I feel my husband's children's learning and davening. It's not going to go longer, so let me just move it. Hold on. Okay. Oh, I feel my husband's and children's learning and davening connects me. So she, her connection is via her children and her husband. I read books and listen to shows and podcasts. I don't feel connected. Just random times like Yom Kippur, random you know peak moments of Yiddishkeit. Option four: Everything I do. I keep on saying it's for you, Hashem. Whenever I do dishes or do laundry, everything I do, every moment of my time is for you, Hashem. The third question, interesting question. I like this question. What's your definition of a true friend? Three options. Number one, someone you could have a great time with and enjoy. Number two, able to have a deep, honest, open conversation about anything. Or number three, always is there for me in a time of need or crisis. So listen to the three answers. Very interesting. Someone you can have a great time with that's a good friend, right? You can go schmooze, have a good time, go to Chalant, go skiing, go to Florida. Number three, number two, have a deep, honest conversation where you can really read dach and Indian, something to really speak through in a, in a deep thing. Number three, somebody's always there for me in a time of need. Anytime I'm falling, they always get to pick me up and be there, be my savior. So answer those three questions. I'll give you five seconds. Whatever, whatever, after the answer, let's let's do a, we'll do a chazar together on the question, and we'll, then we'll jump into the regular questions. So we'll do a chazar on the polls, and then we'll go into the regular questions, okay? Okay, so five seconds. A lot of options. Takes time to think. If they give like five minutes, it's been in a session. Right. Okay, three. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's share the polls. Okay. Rabbi Weinberg, the first question, in today's working world, how do you connect Hashem? 22% of people say, my shiurim, listening, shmuzim, podcast. 9% of people say, Shabbos, Yantif. Majority of the people say, 54% of the people say, I talk to Hashem multiple times every day. 15%, I really feel connected to Hashem. Any comment on the first one? I told you, we're dealing with the Halegiyah then. Avada, they're coming to the shiur. The Rebbe says, I talk to Hashem multiple times a day. This is, this is, this is it. Number two, as a wife, how do you feel or stay connected to Hashem? 15% say, I feel my husband's children learning and Davening connects me. 
most people are saying 38% say I read books and listen to schmoozing and podcasts. That's how most women are connecting. 13%, I don't feel connected, just random times like Kim Kipper. 33%, everything I do, I keep on saying it's for you, Hashem. We want to do the dishes and the laundry. Okay, last question. Here we go. You ready? What's your definition of a true friend? Only 4% of people said someone you can have a great time with and enjoy. Interesting, right? 69% of people say I'm able to have a deep and honest conversation about with anything. 28% of people say always is there for me in a time of need or crisis. Ryan, what do you have to say about the last one? I told it's a, this is it. Anyone who comes on this thing is obviously a the Ruba the Ruba the Chevra ready. I give out the answers. I emailed the answers out beforehand so they know what they know what to answer. Mm-hmm. I was ready five steps ahead. But I understand well, somebody's always there in a time of need and crisis. What's what's wrong? That's a good friend, no? Good. That's a that's a big yeah, the question is also the question is also the question is the question is also how many we should add it to the poll. How many have a true real friend? I didn't want to make the poll. I'm afraid that the answer would be uh, not a nice answer. That's a hard, you know. Yeah, I think they say, the, the far part say if you have one friend that you could be close with like that, it's a, it, not, not everybody has that. that. That's what I heard, you know? Being vulnerable, somebody, somebody text somebody, being, being vulnerable with a friend, being honest with them. Okay, so anybody again wants to ask questions, please text Asher Parnas. And let's, let's, let's hop around with Reverend Wine Rib. Let's really understand what he's saying and focus. Sorry if you're a girl, sorry if you're a boy. Uh, Reverend Wine Rib, some people said, you know, they have the same issue as they get older, as they go to empty nest syndrome, a similar issue. We can, we'll talk, well, maybe we'll get to that, some, some questions. Okay, first question. In Yeshiva, I had a very strong connection with one of my Rebbeim, right? In Yeshiva. But now that I'm married, I have two kids, how am I supposed to have a connection with him or my Yeshiva? I'm, 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 I'm out of it already. I moved on. You know, it was like in Yeshiva, you have that Rebbe that was like amazing that, that one year that you had that 12th grade Rebbe or that, you know, and then you move on, right? You move, you get married. You, how do you keep up a connection with you with your Rebbe? So I, I think I think it's very important. We touched on this before, is that your Rebbe, who is your best Rebbe in Yeshiva, may not be the best Rebbe for you when you're married to two kids. You may have to find yourself a new Rebbe. The, the Rebbe that understood you when you're in Yeshiva, who knows how to deal with, you know, 19-year-old Bachram issues, may not know how to deal with your Shalom bias issues, with your social pressure issues, with your, you know, where to send your children to. You may not have the pull to get your kids into Yeshiva in Lakewood, which is very crucial to have if you want to be a, if you want to be a Rebbe in Lakewood. He may not, he may not have, the, you know, the, the proper, the proper skill set to be your Rebbe anymore. And that's, you have to really figure out, is the person that I'm talking to regularly, does he understand what I'm going through? Does he get me? Does he know that the sugya? It doesn't mean that they have to be dealing with the same challenges, but is, is he shy to this Indian, right? I know you had Rebbe Elephant on, the, on before. I've sp- I speak to Rebbe Elephant. You know, Baruch Hashem, very, very often. The elephant's not somebody who lives in America. He's not somebody who lives in Tom's River. But he's somebody who understands what's going on in the world in America. Somebody understands what's going on in Lakewood, Jackson, Tom's River. He knows the sugya. So he could be much older than the people that, you know, that he's talking to. He could be living in a different country, living in a totally different society. Uh, you know, I don't think his kids deal with the same things that people here are. But he knows what people are dealing with. And you have to find a Rebbe who understands you who knows what you're going through, who's able to talk to you properly. So uh, I think the answer is that you may have to find yourself a new Rebbe. If you feel like the Rebbe, your Rebbe in 10th grade or second year of Medrash was a great Rebbe, and there are Rebbe who are in Yeshiva who have the ability to help people outside of Yeshiva as well. But if you feel like he's not the kind of person who understands me, and I've had that before. I've had a Rebbe who was very close within Yeshiva, and I spoke to once I got out, and I said, there's some sort of disconnect. He doesn't get where I am. He doesn't get who, what I'm going through. He doesn't understand the world the way I see it. I'm a male. I said, okay, it's time to find myself in a Rebbe. And it's a process. It's not easy, but it's, uh, it's crucial. 
it's step number one in, in really being able to grow properly. Where does one start that process? I mean, to get practical, it sounds good to find the Rebbe, but I know a lot of people have given up a while ago because of the process. Where would somebody start to that first step? Your own shul. <laughs> that, that, the best place to start is with your own rav. That's the best place. It's somebody who anyways has, an, has, a, you know, has a connection with your family, somebody who anyways you're seeing on a weekly basis or daily basis, depending on if you see the Rav. It's somebody who's dear around for you. And most of the time, the Rav probably got hired because he's probably capable of dealing with the issues that you have. That's why the people in Yeshua hired him. That's why he lives in your neighborhood. That's why he's dealing with, that's why he's dealing with the crowd he's dealing with. So most of the time, it's Kedai to you know, just go to the easiest one. Sometimes what you're looking for is right there. You don't have to run away. You don't have to find some, like we said before, some brand name, you know, big, big time Rav or Shiva or Be'etzis Gedele Terah. It could be somebody who's easy, accessible, somebody you can talk to often, somebody understands you. And many times it's, it's Mamish right there. It's somebody in your neighborhood, you know, Baruch Hashem, those of us, you know, I know like, you know, Rabasher and Coach Menachem who live in Lakewood and Tom's River and Jackson, there's Baruch Hashem, a you know, phenomenal amount of Tomidichicham, of Mashpim, of Manhigim, of Rabbanim who are capable of helping. But a lot of times it's the people that are closest to us. But sometimes we overlook and we say, oh, I don't know. I don't know if he really gets me. I don't know if he understands me. Sit down with the people that are close to you, that are ready in your life, and have an honest, open conversation. And many, many of the times you'll find that they're much more capable than you think they are of, of helping you with the things you're going through. Now, I've had before with some of, some of the rabbis I have, which, you know, I remember when I was younger, when I was, you know, 16, 17, and, you know, somebody suggested I should talk to a certain person about something. And I said, ah, he doesn't get me. I'll never get what I'm going through. He's so much older than 16 and he doesn't get what I'm going. And I sat down with him and in 10 minutes, I realized that he knows so much better than I'll ever know what I'm going through and what I'm dealing with. And he knows the sugi well and was able to help me in such a clear way. So it's kedai to really to look closest to home. And if necessary, there's, you know, you have to look a little bit further, but I think that a lot of times you can find the people that we need very, very close to home. Okay, let's, let's, let's go. We have a live question over here. We're gonna to go to the live, but there's a lot of other questions I wanna cover. Okay, you're on. Hi, Rabbi Weinreb. Thank you for taking my question. Um, my, I really, based on your opening words and a lot of new information I got, my question became a double question, really. Um, I'm a yesh I learned in yeshiva for many years, and I'm still a bacher, and I'm not married yet. So it came a certain point very recently, I realized I'm just getting burnt out of learning, and it took a lot of time with myself. I realized I have to use part of my time I decided to take a course so I should still be energized and, you know, I shouldn't get burnt out. My question on that is now, this is something I, sometimes I wonder, you know, I still learn part of the day. When I learn, what should I be learning? Should I be still be trying to learn why I learned in Yeshiva, the hardcore Gemara, thinking hard, thinking deep, or should I do Mashali Bechafet, or should I do something that's more goal-oriented, goal like, me or something that I have a plan and the second question is just something based on the opening words that you said you know the the and the what we're doing now we can't view as a bidyevet but this is what you know my original goal was always and the concept was I always wanted to stay in learning but just the point came I'm starting to get burnt out can I still view that you know that I have a strive that if it was possible I would one day go on and go back to the full day learning that would be my shifas if it's possible like and that's really the khatila and kind of what i'm doing now is the yever or is that the improper way of looking at things phenomenal phenomenal question Ramosha. um first first of all i give you a lot of cover that you have the ability to be able to be misbeinen and figure out for yourself what you need to do right now 
that many people would just be stuck in a bad situation, say, I'm not married, and things didn't turn out the way I wanted. I was planning on getting married and staying in for a long time, and therefore, they just end up dragging their feet for many years. So, first of all, yeshakach to you, that, uh, that you were able to sit by yourself and be misguided and figure out what you, what you need to do, which is mamash tal that we're talking about. So you're ready, you're ready a few steps ahead because you already, you already had that clarity and that self-awareness to know, okay, I need to, I need to make the moves that are, that are necessary for me in my own life. Uh, when it comes to what you're supposed to be learning when you're working, it's a great question. I, I, I don't think, and actually Brian Lapiansky talks about this at length in his book. I think there's like a whole chapter you know, dedicated just to this topic. Learning the same thing that you're learning in yeshiva, it, Ian, if a person only has an hour a day, is, is most of the time very, very not helpful for a person. Because when you're, out there, when, you're out, when you're out working and you have an hour or two a day and you're limited in what you're learning and you're learning Ian, you're going to feel like you're not gaining anything. Ian is geschmack and learning deep, you know, deep mesechtas and deep sugyas is geschmack when you have the time to sit for three, six, nine, ten hours a day to learn and do it for a week and two weeks on end so you can come out at the end of the sugya with something geschmack. If you're only learning for an hour or two a day, you have to learn something that you're able to walk out of every day saying, I accomplished something. Like you mentioned, goal-oriented learning where I say, okay, whether it's Dir Shemesh or there's Daf but it's something where I say I'm, make, I'm making strides, I'm making progress, I'm moving from point A to point B. I think that's very, very important to, you know, to, to recognize that again, there's a new, there's a new mahalach that I'm supposed to be doing and learning. What I was learning in yeshiva prepared me, and now I have the ability to be able to continue learning, but people are learning, you know, different things. Many times people find that learning halacha is very, very helpful for people. You know, learning gemaras and sugyas sometimes are things which are not as practical is good in yeshiva, and it's crucial in yeshiva because it gives you the ability to be able to know how to think properly. And then sometimes people say, I want to learn practical halacha. I want to, I want to learn things that are negayat and So a person's working and they learn chayish mishpat, and there are plenty of programs around that help you know, a person learn practical business halacha, or a person wants to learn practical, you know, arachayim, chayish mishpat. All these, there, there, there are things that a person can do to be able to learn something practical and something goal-oriented where a person's able to look back at the end of the week and say, I accomplished A, B, and C. I think that's the first thing. At the same time, it's also very, very important that a person also broadens their horizons and what learning looks like. Same way in yeshiva, you had a Musar Seder. So when you're out there in the world and a person's working and a person has less time, is that much more important to have a Musar Seder? Is that much more important to be able to learn Sifri Pnimias and Sifri Chassidus and Sifri Musar and Sifri Machshava, things which open you up to, to the much larger world, to be able to see, like we were talking about before, what a yantif is. We're coming into a yantif of Lag Ba'imer. It's a very, you know, it's a very hidden yantif. It's a yantif of Sayyid, but you don't know what it is. I should just stand by the bonfire and dance. And Shvuis is all about Kabbalah Satayra, but I'm not learning full time. So, what are Shaykhs to Shvuis and Pesach's about, you know, just eating the matzis? And what is a yantif? What's the panemius going on in a yantif? What's my avoida on a yantif? And like we said before, Shabbos and yantif become that much more important when you're working. And therefore, we have to dig. To figure out what it is. So on the one hand, you have to have goal-oriented learning, which is you know whatever that is a per- for a person, kamara, halacha, whatever, whatever it is in, in a certain area. At the same time, also sifri machshava, sifri pnimius, things which are opening up our lave to be able to connect to the rabbanishon. That's very very important. But, you know, regarding your second question, lachetchilo b'diyeved, even if even if you know mitzvah shem and I, and I give you a bracha, a brachas hadit that you should get married very very soon, bekarev. But even if you get married and you'll have the ability to be able to go back into learning, that doesn't mean that what you're doing now is a bidiyevet because one day you're going to change your lachatchila from being A to being B. Right now, the matzav that you're in, that you decided, again, I don't know you, I can't decide for you, the matzav that you decide, I'm sure we're talking to your friends, chaveirem and rabeim, that this is where you're supposed to be, is, is the lachatchila. If one day you get a new lachatchila, that's amazing. I, I hope that the lachatchila that you're in now will not be the lachatchila for the rest of your life. I hope it, for me and for anybody, we should never live with the same lachatchila constantly. But just because my lechatchila in a week or in a month or a year is going to be better than where I am now, doesn't mean that now I'm going to be the avid. Now for where I am, 
for today, I'm in, I'm in the greatest matzav alachatchila. Could be my matzav will change, and I'll have the ability to change my alachatchila. But right now, I'm in alachatchila. I'm in we have to tell ourselves that over and over and over again. The matzav I'm in was tailor-made for me to figure out what I'm supposed to do in the matzav. And if I'm constantly thinking about, well, I wish I was somewhere else. I wish I was married and sitting back in Kailal, then we're not going to be able to utilize and really be able to make make a, you know make the, the fullest effort within the matzav that we're in. So right now, you're in alachatchila. Maybe you'll be in a different lechatchila in a year. Mr. Shem, you will be. I mean, you'll be in a better right, right, right. Just explain the word lechatchila. Just explain the word because somebody doesn't understand the word lechatchila. <laughs> that's a very difficult question. I think that's the most difficult question you asked me the whole night so far. Lechatchila <laughs> means that, I, that I'm in a grade A situation. And B'dievan means I'm in a grade B situation. So you have to recognize that where you are is, is five stars. Where you are is grade A. Where you are is a perfect situation. It's not okay. It's a, you know... I think what's I think the art school word is post de facto. I think for bidiyevet, right? You're not in a bidiyevet. You're not in a okay. This is the reality, and here I have to figure out what do I do with my terrible situation. No, no, the situation you're in is great. It's amazing. It's perfect. It's where you need to be as long as you can utilize and figure out what you need to do in that situation. Wow. Okay, so there's another question that came in, but this is a person that I learned the daf and. I do the right thing, but I, I feel disconnected and I do feel like a failure. I'm doing what everybody else is doing, but don't feel accomplished. I guess disconnected and a failure. They, they, they probably go hand in hand. You, you probably feel disconnected. I don't mean you, Coach Menachem, but the person who's asked the question probably feels disconnected because they feel like a failure. And again, this is the same thing we keep saying again and again. If you feel like a failure because you're not sitting and learning full time or because you're not doing what you were doing 10 years ago, so then you're cheating yourself of real success. The barometer of success changes from when you're in yeshiva to when you're in Kailo. It changes. It's a new barometer of success. We have to look at yourself and say, am I being successful within this situation I'm in? If I today went to work and I was masumatan ba'amuna, and I treated my employees properly, and I had proper shmir sanayim, and I was careful about the way I spoke in the office, so I need to come home and pat myself on the back and say, I was a success. Today, I was the most successful in doing Ratzon Hashem. Ratzon Hashem is not many times what we, you know, what we think it is. We, we, we like to you know, decide for the Rabbani Shalom, this is really what Hashem wants, and if I'm not doing that, then I'm a failure. No, no, no. Ratzon Hashem is not what you think Ratzon Hashem is. It's what, Hathar, what Hashem thinks Ratzon Hashem is. So stop and ask yourself, within the situation I'm in, within the set of circumstances I have, what is called a success? And again, you have to have a relationship with yourself. If you're struggling with, you know, nivel path, or you're struggling with Shemir Sanayim, or you're struggling with making sure that you come on time to davening, and you come on time to davening, society may not view it as a success. But if for you it's a success, so then you need to pat yourself on the back. Maybe the other people in the shul, for them it's, taking Dershu tests on 120 blots, you know, but for you, it's coming on time to davening or not leaving before Kaveh at the end of davening. So you need to say, I was successful. Nobody defines success except for you having a real honest relationship and what you what you need to be doing. So figure out for yourself, what does success look like for me? Not for anybody else, not for anybody in my community, not for anybody else. What does it look like for me right now where I am? And you'll feel successful. And pat yourself on the back and celebrate the accomplishments that you have which maybe the world doesn't celebrate. The world likes to make big siyumim and big things. Celebrate your own accomplishments. Maybe actually celebrate it. You and your wife go out to eat when you, when you accomplish something which maybe the world won't celebrate, but you know that for you it's a celebration. Celebrate it and you'll start feeling like, like a success and you start, you're, you're, you'll also start feeling connected to Hashem because you'll recognize that wherever I am, that, there's, a, there's a Ratzon Hashem, we are I am. Ratzon Hashem is not limited to a certain space. It's not limited, it's wherever I am. 
So they say in the I've never seen it inside. It's a pelvic of art. I've never seen it inside, but it's such a, it's such an emiss of art. Well, Shem says that Chazal tell us that which Pasha means that now that the Rabbanishim doesn't have the base of Mikdash, the only place the Rabbanishim resides is within Dalar Amashalalacha. The Balshamtiv said, it's, it's not the Pshat that that's the reality. Pshat is that part of living in Galus is that you think that you think that the Rabbanishim resides in a little box within four walls of your base medrash, your shul, and you think he can't be found in your workplace. You think he can't be found in, in the supermarket. You think he can't be found when you're dropping your kid off in the babysitter. And therefore you say, when I'm in shul, when I'm learning, when I'm davening, when I'm doing the daf, that's success. Anything else, the fact that I was, you know, I was careful and I put my shopping cart back when I finished using it, that's not success. The world doesn't know that success. The Rabbanisham is everywhere. And you have to just uncover him. Rabbanisham's everywhere. Our job is to uncover him, to figure out what his Ratzin is wherever I find myself. Beautiful. Okay. Hi, sorry, you're I'm sorry. I was a little bit late. My hours changed at work. So I hope I, I apologize for any repetition. We're going to let it go. We're going to let it go. Okay. Yeah. No, no. Just in case you brought it up earlier. But I just wondered that you see uh, Rabbi Wenrib seems to be addressing the problems more of a Ben Torah or you know, the proverbial FFB. But I find a Baltuva might, I, I don't know if he's encountered certain problems among Bali Tshuva as far as that many of us, I, I don't speak for all of them, but many of us have got made caught, caught up in idealism and then you come down to earth in the real world, at least, a, at least somebody uh, ben Torah, FFB, whatever the word, uh, could at least has family or people to help support him. You have more of a support system. And of course, your buds from you know, Yeshiva Seminary, uh, you may have other role, you know, role models, other you know, people to perhaps confide or fall back on. So do you think, I mean, are, I guess the question, do you find a bigger, I don't know if you work with Bali Chuba or I don't know what kind of advice you can give, especially women, I think that we are handicapped that we don't, yeah, we don't have, we have the Shiva where we, you know, we have the minion, the guys there to, at least that they can offer. But I think that uh, women tend to be a little bit more atomized. We don't, uh, those of us who grew up with, you know, with female role models or support system. So I, I just wondering if, uh, I feel like it's a little bit of a different world almost, you know, that, you know, I, I can't relate to somebody who's got, a mother, a mother-in-law to help her out, or family to, you know, to even provide the the excitement of a Shabbos tish. So, do you do? You, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what kind of advice you give or experience you have had uh, dealing with that. So, so it's a it's a great. First of all, it's a great question. But but any Balchuva has to realize that the whole goal of FFBs. Is to become Bali Shuva. That's the whole goal. We're all trying yeah. to become you and you're all trying to become us. Well, because, we all want to be better in life. I mean, right. yeah, let's say, yeah. Bal Shuva, Bal Shuva doesn't yeah. mean, you know, doesn't mean somebody grew up not from and became a Bal Shuva means somebody who's trying to get, get more passionate. One of the greatest, I remember I, I was sitting in Asia Toro, you know, many years ago, and I was learning with somebody who was, you know, completely secular who was starting their path towards becoming more religious. And I was, and they asked me, they said they want to start making Kiddush every Friday night. So he said, can you, you know, can you teach me the words of Kiddush? Just read the words with me and help me understand them in English. And I started reading. He's like, he's like, wow. He's like, you read it so quickly. It's phenomenal. You're young and, and you read it so quickly. You're amazing. 
And I said, you don't understand. I said, that's my biggest pitfall. The fact that I can read it so quickly and the fact that I grew up with my father saying it and my grandfather saying it, and I could say to my sleep, I don't need the bencher in front of me. That's my biggest challenge. You who need to actually read it in the sitter, or need a, a transliterated. I told him, I said, you have the greatest, the greatest gift. You actually need to stop and think about the words you're saying. So I said, I'm trying to learn from you how to be able to have more, more meaning in, in the Kiddush I'm having. You're trying to learn from me how to be able to say Kiddush better. And the goal is the Devalei Tshuva and the FFB should really all come together. And they, they really have so much to learn from each other. So that, that, that's first of all. Second of all, I, I think when, when it comes to, you know, finding, finding a, a Hevra, I think you're right. I think that you have to find people who are in like-minded situations. That, you know, that's what we spoke about before is, is finding that small little Nick group. And it doesn't have to actually be live. It can be that you get together with them over Zoom once a week. But it's you can find you know other balei tshuva who are dealing with the same thing. I you know I, I lived I lived in Seattle where there was a group of most of the shul basically the whole shul was all balei tshuva and they all got together and they all had sh- similar life experiences, similar you know similar journeys to some extent, and they were able to get together and to connect together as a shul of balei tshuva. But if you don't have the ability to have that, at least you know for women as well, for women and men to get together and to be able to schmooze things through as a chevra, getting together just to say. These are the challenges that we're dealing with. We don't know what our minig is because we don't have customs from our parents and grandparents because we're the first ones becoming from in you know, two, three, ten generations. How do we deal with that? How do we deal with giving over to our children? How do we make sure that all the challenges of finding where our place is within the larger spectrum of, of you know, Orthodox Judaism? How do we deal with that? And you're right. I think, I think you know, if you try to become you know, a with other people who weren't, didn't have similar backgrounds, I think you would find it difficult. And I think that's why it's important to find people with similar backgrounds to an extent and to create, you know, somebody, somebody told me a term recently of micro communities. There are communities and then there's micro communities. Micro communities is just a small little group of people who are there to be able to get together for the sake of, you know, they want similar situations. There could be empty nesters, there could be balay tshuva, there could be young working guys, but getting together to talk, to talk together. So I think it is important to find people in similar situations. Beautiful, everyone. It'd be really nice. Okay, next live question. You're on. Hi. Um, first of all, I um, just want to say, um, I know you're part of Morty Stiebel, and I have a personal connection to there due to my brother was Morty's roommate till he was Nifter. Um, my question is, is that something that I guess I hear a lot and but myself and people in this generation struggle with is emotional health in learning and davening. Um, someone came to Lakewood named Ruven Leichter, gave a whole speech on this, which is that you're not going to automatically feel, let's say, davening or learning all the time. And to try to press yourself to feel it all the time is not going to work because that's just the way life goes. Let's say davening, you're davening 365 days a year the same words. And I think the problem is that I face and I feel like a lot of people face is, is when you're not connecting, you just go down. You don't realize that that's just the way it works and you try to press yourself to connect. What would you, what would your advice be in the times where you're not connecting to not just fall apart? Sky from Josh, beautiful, beautiful question. Um, first of all, the fact that you're talking to Blechter is already hearing from Blechter is already a big, uh, big mile. He's a big, very, very special year who talks a lot about these, uh, these topics and really talks about it in a real, in a very, in a very real way. I think what you said, what you said at the beginning about forcing your, forcing emotions is hundred percent true. If, if you go through Yom Kippur and you tell yourself, I'm supposed to be crying in Yom Kippur. And therefore you either feel guilty that you're not crying or you try to make yourself cry over something that has nothing to do with Yom Kippur. 
that's false. That's not Ratzon Hashem. Hashem doesn't need you to cry in Yom Kippur. Hashem needs you to be real in Yom Kippur and every day of davening, and Hashem needs you to be real with him. That's what, that's the reason. The Hashem didn't create you as a malach. Hashem didn't create you as a robot that, okay, comes Yom Kippur, now you cry. Comes Sukkot, now you dance. Comes Hanukkah, now you cry by the, by the neighbors. You have to be real with the Rabban Shalom and you don't force it. You know, people think, you know, you know, Hasidus pushes, pushes emotion very strongly. Rabban Nachman writes very clearly. It's very clearly a person should not never force emotion, never force crying. If you don't feel it, don't make believe that you feel it. Okay, it's okay. Sit with the feeling of not feeling and recognize that, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be doing right now. I'm supposed to be davening in Yom Kippur and I'm trying, I'm doing what I could, but it's not working. And I'm comfortable with the fact that I know that this is where I'm supposed to be. And this goes back to the same thing we keep talking about. What is Ratzon Hashem in the moment? Is Ratzon Hashem in the moment that I should be on fire? Yes, if I'm capable of. Yes, if, if it's something that, I, that I'm, that I'm that's possible for me right now. If right now I'm going through a difficult situation, or if now today's, you know, you may have and you may sinner. Today's my you may have sinner. Today's things are not going well. Okay, there's an way this Hashem which takes place also. We have to figure out what that way this Hashem is. There's, there's an avoid this Hashem which takes place when a person's shaking, and there's a way this Hashem which takes place when a person's dealing with challenges, and they both have. Avoid this Hashem, this Avoid Hashem of running and of returning and of coming back to, you know, when a person's not able to be on that high. And we have to figure out what it is. A lot of, I spoke about this in Shul the other week, that a lot of, a lot of what takes place in Sphere Saimer is figuring out how to do this. Pesach night, the Rizal rights is the highest. Pesach night is all the gates are open. A person gets everything. All the emotions come, all the Ruchnias, all the, all the Madregas come straight to a person in a very clear way. That the Rizal writes that the day after the first night, the first Seder, what happens is you go straight all the way down. Something you call You get stuck in a place where everything's very, very small and limited. And you don't have that amazing, amazing experience you're going to pay Sech night. But that's what Sphere Sa'im is all about. Step by step saying, okay, today is just one day. Today's not a day where it's going to be Pesach. It's not going to be Pesach all the time. It's not going to be Yom Kippur all the time. Today's another day. When I go one day and another day and another day, and I say, today I'm going to do the best that I'm capable of doing today, eventually I get back to Shavuos. Eventually I get to the place where I actually have something big. It's one of the things that, you know, we, we, we're reading in this week's Parsha, Parsha's Emma, the first Rashi, the most famous Rashi in the Parsha, where Rashi says, Lahazar right? which literally means that, that Moshe Rabbeinu is commanding Aaron Akayin, that the Kayanim who, who are older, Need to make sure that the the kainim who are younger know how to know how to be careful not to be tummy. Lenefeshli yatama ba'amov, but the the svarim agadoshim that I'm the melech and other svarim say lahazur gedolim al katana means when you're stuck in a place of smallness of katnos, be able to be able to shine a light into that place also. Recognize that lahazur gedolim the big light needs to also shine its light all the way down to the bottom. It's one of the one of the secrets of what Reb Shimon Bar Yechai brought into the world is that this steiging, which looks amazing, and then there's being stuck in a cave in a dark place far away from everything. That's also growth. It's also steiging. So when we recognize and we tell ourselves, okay, wherever I am, whatever matzah I'm in, this is what I need to be doing right now. And I don't need to force emotion. I don't need to force myself to be doing anything. Hashem doesn't need me to be a robot. Hashem doesn't need me to do something just because I think he wants me to do. He wants me to do that. I have to figure out what Hashem wants me now and to daven, to push a little bit, little bit at a time. If I can't focus on the whole davening, let me pick one part of davening I could focus on. Baruch Sha'amar will be my thing today. And I'll focus on Baruch Sha'amar. And when I walk out of davening, I'll pat myself on the back and said, I daven the best davening that I was capable of doing today. And that, and I did Ratzon Hashem today. Okay, let's get into this question. We got two, two different versions, but I'm going to read it as, I'm going to read it together, but it's basically, I think, the same question. Somebody emailed Mamash right a minute before the share. I was just in seminary last year. My current environment, after she came back from seminary, people are not as, shall I say, enthusiastic about Yiddishkeit as it was last year. 
Yiddishkeit is not mentioned in, in people's speech and actions as much. Sometimes I even feel uncomfortable saying lines like it's from it's from Shemayim. Why do I? Why don't you just down for it? Because everyone around me is not in that world. How do I overcome this challenge? I want to be passionate about Yiddishkeit, yet basic peer pressure of feeling out of place is getting in the way. That was question one. Question two is: I came back from seminary. Most friends are getting married. I feel no connection to Yiddishkeit. How do I get connected? So the, for the first girl should talk to the second girl, and they should uh, right. have right. with each other. First one's too connected, and the second one's not connected enough. That'd be a, that'd be a tayelas. Um, I, I I think we'll talk about the first question, the Iker, but I, but I think that when it comes to there's two types of friends you can have. They're friends that you say are not interested and don't want to hear about this, and are really you know looking for something totally different in life. In which case, you have to find yourself good friends. You have to find yourself a good chevra who's growth oriented as well. And again, it doesn't have to be a large crowd. It could be one good friend. Like Rabasha said before, one good friend that's that you need. Okay, find yourself one friend who you feel like you can talk to openly. And many times it's just a person needs the self-confidence to be able to say, I can talk about things and make myself a little bit vulnerable. And maybe the social pressure is telling me that, oh, this is not what people are talking about. But many times you find it when you open up a little bit and start to talk about things which are real, people will automatically open up as well. You open up a little bit, you say something which is a little bit out of your comfort zone, and maybe that's not what people are talking about. And people say, oh, here's a girl who wants to talk about something real. Here's a girl who wants to have a real meaningful conversation. She wants to talk about what kind of home she wants to be able to be able to create, how she wants to bring up her children, what she wants out of a husband. And they say, oh, she's not just talking about, you know, which restaurants to go to. She's talking about something real. And people, the people that are attracted to something real will also open up. And she'll find that she'll really be able to, you know, have a good, cover, good real conversation. But it takes, it takes self-confidence. It takes the ability to be able to say, okay, even if that's not what, what's taking place around me, I'm comfortable enough with knowing that this is what I want. And if you find that all of your friends say, okay, we, you know, you're, you're the from one, we don't want to talk to you, then maybe it's time to find, you know, several who are interested in this. But it takes a little bit moving out of your comfort zone and really opening up a little bit. And then slowly you'll be able to really create real healthy conversations. Okay, let's go to another question over here. Somebody sent in, when I went to work and trying to make, I, I, somebody said he basically went, he was a yeshiva, he was successful and he went to work and he's not even making it work. He's not making ends meet. He feels like a failure, side because he's not learning inside because he's not making enough money. So all his other friends and neighbors are have money and they're buying houses and they're flying and they're doing <laughs> much more stuff. How does he deal with that type of failure? Great question. Um, I, I think I think that... <laughs> This is, again, this goes back to the social pressure. I, I think we need to define for ourselves what success looks like. I can't define success based on the people around me, whether it's financial or anything. I can't define success based on the fact that all the people around me are doing something and I'm not doing it, and therefore I feel like a failure. If I have a real relationship with myself, if I know myself, if I'm honest with myself, then I'm able to deal with, okay, what is success for me? And yeah, maybe I'm not making as much money as somebody else, but do I have a great, do I have a good shell and bias? Am I bringing up my children in a happy, healthy home? Am I bringing up my children in a proper way? That's real success. Real success is not financial. Real success is not, you know, how many times do I go on vacation? Real success is am I creating real deep relationships with my family, with Hashem? Am I doing things which are meaningful in life? Am I, am I creating a difference within the community that I live? That's real success. So again, there's a social pressure. And of course, we all deal with social pressure, regardless of who we are. We all deal with financial pressure and, and you know, the need to keep up with the Jones. But at the same time, we have to, really be able to look inside and, and ask ourselves, what do we really want out of life? When we're 50, 60 years old, and we're 70 years old, and we look back on life, what do we want to, what do we want to be able to say about our life? What, what is called success? Success at that age is no longer, hopefully, no longer you know, judged by how much money we have, 
and how many how many countries we we visited. Hopefully, at that point, we start to judge it based on okay, you know how how much how much of a relationship do I have with the people that really matter to me? And we start to really again redefine what success is. I understand that success is things which are meaningful, things which are real, things which have content, things which things which I'm making a difference to the people around me. So we start to say, okay, I may not be making as much money as those around me, and I may not be having as much success financially, but that's not the only version of success. It's important, but that's not the only version of success. I just wanted to mention, I, I find that um, talking about financial success or it's not always financial. Many times people are just running after um, society, trying to figure out what everybody else is doing and they want to do the same thing, being part of. And what we're discussing tonight is, you know, the self-awareness that you're mentioning. It could be hard for many people because to be really self-aware, you have to slow down and really look inside of yourself. And that's where um, many fears come up and they might find certain aspects in life that they're not happy with. And uh, it could be very hard. There's a reason why people are, are running. Um, running, you know, just keep on going, keep on doing things because to stop and think is not always easy for everybody. So I just wanna mention, I do have this course, self-awareness for beginners. And basically just very, really for beginners, it, uh, you know, helps you realize what the emotions are, just to be able to sit with the emotions. What are you running away from? And to be able to understand, you know, those lows that you don't want to meet. You don't want to meet yourself in a low situation. But to be able to sit with it, like you said, this is where I should put you. Just feel it. Don't run away. Understand it. What's behind it. And we have over there some relaxation techniques just to help you to hold your hand to start the journey, the self-awareness for beginners. I'll put, I'll put the link in the chat on the bottom and whoever wants can go get it. Um, I think it's very, very beneficial. Um, the next there's question- one I, could, There's one more to could I want to add just to the, to the last yeah. question. You know, the Tzadik Omer Pramishlana used to say, he said, any day, any day, I'll take, a, I'll take a Yid who's sitting in the bar with a girl next to him singing non-Jewish songs I'd much rather that yid as a chassid than the yid who's sleeping in bed, who has no interest in getting out of bed. He oh, said, because wow, the wow. yid who's in the bar, the yid who's sitting with, you know, with the shiksa next to him, he's looking for something. He's searching for something. He wants something. So I can give him, I can give him, you know, proper what he's really looking for. I mean, I'll be able to, so the guy who doesn't want to get out of bed, he said, I can't, I can't deal with that person. That person's totally stuck in a world where they're not even interested in anything. So what, what you know, when we're talking about that, you know, the Shailar Basha was talking about before that, you know, we find the people around us are, are running after things. So let's stop and figure out what's at the core of why they're running after things. What are they running for? There's a void that's within every single year. The Pietzessa talks about this very openly. I think it's in South Aziris. He talks about that there's a void a hole inside of every year's neshama where he wants something. We have a beakers for something big. We want to be connected to the Rabban neshama. We want something real and authentic. And if we have the ability to say, all those people that are around me that are running after the big vacations and all those things, they're really searching for something more meaningful. And I don't have all, you know, all the, the first steps, but I have what's really, what they're really running after. I have something which is really more meaningful. So then I've already, you know, I've jumped to, I've jumped to the end of the search before, uh, you know, without the necessity to go through all the steps before and to spend all that money. I, I'm looking for what's real in life. And I'm looking for something, I have a real bikush. And when we stop and recognize that, that all of the running is coming because we have a bikush for something big. We want something that's fulfilling. A yid is not going to be, not, not going to be happy just, you know, sitting, you know, being a soccer mom and just, you know, having this little farm and just doing the little thing and just 
People, we want something big. We want something successful. We want something large because we're Yidden and we want something which is really, really meaningful and big and large. And the Melech, we're able to say, okay, what, what are the real things in life that count? How do I make sure that that Bikush inside of me is filled with that which really counts? We, we won't feel that lack and that, and, and that feeling of I'm not enough and I haven't, haven't really made it to where my neighbors have made it because I filled that void. I filled that need inside of me with something which is really meaningful. Wow. So there's a question over here. Somebody sent in that they feel they can't connect with the Rav, the Rav and the Shul. Um, what, what exactly are they looking for to find a good Rebbe, a good Rav? Like you mentioned, sometimes it can be uh, something inside of the person itself, himself, that's holding him back. Right. Right. And, that, and you know, I think that's important also. If you don't, if you don't have it, if you don't really know how to talk to your Rav, to talk to your Rebbe, so then all the conversations are sort of, you know, meaningless because you're not really giving over real information to how is a person supposed to help you. But I, I think, and, and, you know, we spoke about this a little bit at the beginning, that, that finding a Rav is, is somebody who is able to relate to what you're going through and cares about you. And those are probably the two most important things. Probably even more important than giving you Aitzes. There's a lot of big bell Aitzes out there. But if the person doesn't understand you and care about you, so then Aitzes are nice, but Aitzes don't really help me. I need to find someone who really knows me and knows what I'm capable of. The, the Pietzes, we keep bringing up the Pietzes, because this is like, you know, he talks a lot about the Indian of Chinuch and a lot about the Indian of self-awareness. He was, you know, a Rebbe who is, you know, years and years, light years ahead of, ahead of his times when he was, when he was writing his Svarim. He talks a lot about, you know, emotional health and self-awareness and his us. But he writes over there at the beginning of a Sefer Chavis Atalmidim, and it's so, so important for everyone to read. It's in English and it's in Hebrew, and it's important for parents and Mechanchim to write. He writes that the word Chinuch doesn't mean education. We normally think Chinuch means education. Chinuch means getting children or getting students to follow what the Rebbe or the parent tells them to do. He says it's not what Chinuch means. Chinuch means, means taking potential and turning it into reality. And he says he'll prove it. The biggest proof is the word Chanukah Sabayas, Chanukah Samazbeach. That word doesn't mean educating them as back. It doesn't mean educating your home. It means taking something which is a house and turning it into a home, taking something which is potential and bringing it into reality. We have to find Rebbeim who help us bring the reality inside of ourselves out, right? Who are able to know us, know what we're really capable of, and push us in the right way to really be able to get to the proper place. You know, there's a story I grew up on, which is really comes from Nachman. It's an old story. Nachman says a story about the Yid. We'll say very big kids, the Yid who had a dream that there was, you know, a poor Yid living in a little village who had a dream that there was a big treasure buried in a, in a bridge near Warsaw and slept all the way to Warsaw, you know, thinking that he's going to find the massive treasure and starts digging near the bridge. And, the, you know, the officer comes over to him and the officer says, you know, you can't dig here. This is public property. You can't just start digging wherever you want. Well, what are you doing? So he says, listen, I'll tell you the truth. I don't have a lot of money. And I had this dream that there's a treasure chest buried underneath this bridge, you know, right, right, right here near Warsaw in this spot. And I'm hoping to strike a rich and to be able to make, you know, be able to bring back Parnassah for my family. So the officer started laughing at him. He says, I am a Shugana. He says, I had a dream that there's some little village. And he mentions this Yid's village way out there. And in this, in a person's house, and he starts describing this Yid's house behind the stove. There's also a treasure. He says, you think I'm schlepping to the little village and starting to take apart the bricks of, that, of this guy's stove to find if it's a treasure? And the Yid stops and he says, okay, if this guy's not letting me dig over here, maybe I should go back home and take out the bricks of my thing. Nachman says he goes back home, he takes out the bricks of his oven, and he finds a treasure chest there. What, what's, the, what's the nimshal of the story? You, the reason why you go to a Rebbe is not to find something there. The reason why you go to a Rebbe is because your Rebbe tells you you have something back at home. You have something where you come from, where you are inside of you. You already have the treasure chest. Don't come running to somebody else to look for the treasure chest. The real Rebbe tells you you have everything that you need inside of you. He can help facilitate. He can help bring it out. 
right? The Pasuk says, by Aaron Akoin, doesn't say to light the nearest, but bring it up, lift up that which is already there. Don't light anybody's fire, but lift up the fire that's already there. That's a real Rebbe. So if you could find somebody who understands you, who knows you're going through, who cares about you, and who's able to bring out your potential, you, you have a winner right there. That's that's the ultimate Rav, Rebbe, Mashpia, Manig, mentor, call it Rebbitson, whatever you want to call it. That's somebody who really, somebody who cares about you, understands you, and helps you bring out your real potential. Very Beautiful. Okay, you're on. Hi. All right. Um, I guess it's easier to think of the question and then when you realize you're saying it live, but I'll try to say it live. Um, so I kind of get the vibe that when you're in seminary, it's like things are very clear. Things are very black and white. There's like the certain serif that they're guiding you. And when you come back and you're working and you're with a mix of people and and some people are more passionate than others. Some people care more. Let's say, for example, like there are certain social norms. There are certain like social averos that are acceptable and certain things that are not. Um, and I guess not just like kind of to get more specific, it's not an avera, but let's see the topic of movies and non-Jewish music. So in Israel, like sometimes when you have certain classes, it's like very clear about what the teacher's opinion is. And when you come back here, it's very normal and it's very acceptable, even amongst like the firmer communities that you wouldn't necessarily expect that from. Um, how do you kind of like keep to your thought process or, or like what you considered from like you're from teachers and you were hoping to carry on when you're back in America and it's not like that. Like, how do you kind of like fit that in? It's, it's such a good question because it's something that we all struggle with so much it is, is being influenced by the society around us in all areas. Like, you know, Russia was talking about financial pressure. It could be pressure to listen to certain music, watch certain movies, go certain places. We get heavily, heavily influenced by the, by the, by the culture around us. And it happens much more in our generation. You know, in, in, in 100, 200 years ago, our grandparents lived in a little village and they dealt with the people around them and that's it. We, we deal with a culture that's massive. You know, we could be sitting here on a, you know, on a Sunday night at, at, you know, at, at 11 o'clock at night and be sitting here with 400 people that are from all over the world and we're all joining together. And there's, there's, there's a massive Milo to that, like Baruch Hashem Singh tonight that we can get together for the right purposes. But there's also a culture, there's also mass thinking which takes place. You know, everybody's doing this. This is what everybody's doing. You know, this is this is the reality everyone's living with. And, and we have to really be able to find what our true reality is and what we're capable of and saying, okay, this is society. This is what people around me are doing. This is what the norm is, but that's not my norm. That's not what I want to do. I have to figure out what works for me, what's, what's real for me. And it's hard. It's very challenging because, you know, like I said, the, the, the culture that we live in nowadays is so much caught up in mass thinking and it's you know there's a whatsapp group of 250 people and they're all you know one person writes something and everyone feels uncomfortable to write a different opinion this is what you know five people just chimed in and said that they agree with the first person's comment and now no one's going to stand up to that person and say i think differently and we have to really be able to think for ourselves and be able to figure out for ourselves what do i what, what really works for me what am i capable of doing where am i uh, where am i capable of really growing and it's it's, it's hard and it's difficult but it's it's really crucial for us to do in order to have real growth then, then they feel lonely. There's, you know, everybody around is doing something, and then you're like Avram Avinu, maybe maybe an hour, doing it all by yourself. See, uh, <laughs> yeah, most of, most of the time, the things that we think we're going to be the only person doing it, it's not really like that. It's like the it's like the fifth grader who says everybody in my class, you know, got an electric scooter. 
it's not everybody in your class. No, it's it's you know, we tend we tend to paint things in very broad in broad strokes. It's everybody's doing something, and I'm sure if we stopped and we had proper you know proper decided for ourselves what works, we'll be able to find the chev around us. We're able to be mechazikas and say, okay, let's keep going. Let's make a little group together. We're going to be makabel on ourselves. We're not listening to any non-Jewish music. We're not going to watch any movies. We're going to be careful about where we go. And the three friends, we're going to be mechazik each other. You know, it, it can be you know sending a text to each other. You know, I made it through another day, and we're as careful careful what I listened to, careful where I went. And we say, okay, amazing job. And your friend gives you a pat on the back, you know, over text and says, great job, keep it up. I had a struggle. I listened to something. I fell. What should I do? You know, send back a text. And you find this little, you know, there's one or two friends that are holding in the same place as you and say, okay, let's let's do this together. Let's let's not just be caught up in what everybody else is doing. Let's think for ourselves. Beautiful. Okay, you're on. Hi, thank you for taking my question. Um, what would her suggestion be for the woman that when we grow up, we're all surrounded with, like, we, if we grew up with, let's say, the Beis Yaakov environment, we're surrounded with the, the Torah infused with with all the excitement and, and the hearts of, of, of Yiddishkeit, get married, you have your kids, you're, and if your husband is not in learning and you're and very possibly on a different level altogether um, in terms of of the, whether it's the Hashkavos or the the views on learning and, and Yiddishkeit, how do you how would you suggest to maintain that feeling when you're not getting it from a source? Like when you're plug when you're in school, you're plugged in. When you don't have, you're not getting it from anywhere. You're not plugged in. How how could you keep it without running out of battery? <laughs> I guess would be my question. It's 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 a great question. I, I you know we mentioned before that. That women have a women have a specific unique challenge that men don't have. Men are going to shul every day. <laughs> they go to shul every Shabbos and they hear the rough speak, whether they like it or not. It's part, it's part of the reality of, of the culture that they're in, is that they're going and they're, they're with a chevra. And it's it's for a woman, it's much, much more challenging and much more difficult. And I think you know the point that you brought up you brought up, you know, in your question is that you, you, just because your husband's growth is different than yours. You know, this is one of the questions on the poll. Your spirituality doesn't come through your husband. You have your own neshama. Your husband has his own neshama. Your kids have their own neshamas. You have to you have to really create your own spiritual connection. And many times, one of the challenges that women deal with, especially when their husband goes out to work, is my whole my whole ruchnius, my spiritual growth was coming because I was supporting my husband and learning, and now I'm no longer doing that. And therefore, so what's my role? So where do I have a connection to Yiddishkeit, to Hashem, if my job as being, you know, the proper Eish supporting my husband and learning is no longer there? And it's at that point that the person has to say, okay, now I now I recognize that my Yiddishkeit, my Ruchnias, my spiritual growth is not going to come through anybody other than myself. It's not going to come through my husband. It's not going to come through my kids. It's not going to come through my parents or seminary. It's all up to me to figure out what that growth looks like. And, and for everybody, it's different. There are people that like reading and there are plenty of books in English Plenty of books, you know, very, very, you know, I call them svarim, not books that are helpful for a person. I just suggested to somebody, you know, this past week, somebody asked me the question, a woman also, a married woman with kids to learn Bavavi Mishkanevna in English, a phenomenal safer. I think it's called Building the Sanctuary in Our Heart in English. They have it already, you know, I think they have a few volumes in English. Phenomenal, phenomenal, you know, book, just reminding ourselves about the things that we know and we learned about in seminary, but we forget about talking about them again and reading and going through them again. Some people like listening to shiurim. For some people, you know, when they're cooking on a Thursday night, they'll listen to shiurim. For some people, it's going to shiurim. For some people, it's having groups. You know, I know my wife started in the neighborhood recently, a group which is called, um, it's called Link Up, where it's, it's phenomenal. My wife said it's such a healthy, such healthy conversation that takes place. The whole group is created around knowing how to deal with technology in a healthy, emotionally healthy way. 
It's not a group created about saying, you know, no cell phones and no texting and no internet. It's okay, these, this is the reality that we're living with. How do we get together and schmooze about what's, what's appropriate to post on a, on a family chat? What's appropriate to you know, be taking pictures of and sending to somebody else? How do we make sure that we're not addicted to our phones in, in ways which are very healthy? And these are married women with kids who are getting together. I think it's every other week. They get together to schmooze this, you know, things through. So some people, it's you know, the seichas chaverim that they can find other women where they say, let's go out to eat you know, once every other week for a coffee. And we'll, we'll just schmooze for real. We'll talk about the real things that we're dealing with. But it's, it's important to find your own new way to plug in. There's nobody, there's nobody that does it for you. Once you leave Yeshiva and seminary, there's no, there's no Rebetzin, there's no Mashkiach, no one does it. You have to find your own outlet and say, I'm going to plug, you know, my, uh, my, my plug into that outlet and say, this is what's working for me. There's, there's, a, there's a story that uh, Rav Leza Geltzeler, it's a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, Rosh Hashiva Mashpia, Berdin Munsi, he was killed very tragically, but he writes over there, and I said this over before, but it's such a, it's such a true statement. He writes over there that he was, he's talking about the concept of Bachram and Bachram leave Yeshiva. And he told the Bachram once, he said he was once on a farm with a growing pickles. And he said, he saw that the farmer showed him that they had a pickle in the shape of a Coca-Cola bottle. And he said, he was a despot. He said, how in the world did you have a, do you have a, a pickle in the shape of a Coca-Cola bottle? So he said, it's very simple. The farmer said, when the pickle is very small, I put it in a Coke bottle. As it grows, it molds into the, into the shape of a Coke bottle. And then I crack the Coke bottle off and the pickle remains, it's stuck in that shape of a Coke bottle. He said, Bachrim are not pickles. And neither are girls. Girls are not pickles. Just because you were put into a certain form in, in yeshiva or seminary or kailo, you're not going to remain that way for the rest of your life. Nobody could take you as a piece of play to inform you in seminary and say, just remain this way for the next 30, 40, 50 years of your life. And you'll die a happy person. It doesn't work like that. You have to find new outlets to be able to plug yourself in to say, okay, what I had was great then. What I had when my husband was learning was great. What are the new outlets I can find? Is it books? Is it shiurim? Is it tichas chaverim? Is it finding a rebbetzin that I can talk to? Is it finding a mentor? Is it finding you know uh, groups which are getting together to talk shmir salashin and and learn through the chavetz chaims from what? Where are the places that I could connect to? Shem Shem says you know a whole a whole you know phenomenal svarim and this in English. Where are the areas that I can connect on my own? I can have on my own my own level of connection. Okay, let's get to this question over here. Um, I have some friends that I like to have a good time with. We have kid fun by the kiddish and everything, but they don't know how to have a deep, meaningful conversation. How do I, A, either have such a relationship with these friends, or B, how do I get such friends? How do they get a meaningful relationship with people? How does this do for the, for the guys and for the girls separately? Because it's probably done separately. Have you, have you tried to have a deep, meaningful conversation with them? You know, again, this is this is the same question that keeps coming up. Most of the time, we're so we we, we don't have enough self confidence to actually make the first move to try to find the people that are that are meaningful around us. So we just assume that if nobody's bringing up these conversations, probably nobody's interested in them. If we make that first move out of our comfort zone and start to talk to these people that are just sitting by kiddish and and start to bring up something real, we'll be able to see very quickly who are the people that are for real. And who are the people that are not for real? You know, it's, it's, it's very, it will be become very clear. You get together on a Thursday night and right away you'll see, you know, you have 10, 15 people together. Someone will be in a conversation. Two of the three, two or three of people will right away gravitate towards that conversation. Like a magnet will, will be like, this is what I'm looking for. And a lot of people will just be turned off right away. And then you slowly be able to filter out. Okay, here are people that are actually interested in talking about the same topics as me. Here are people who are really interested in having real conversations. And it's good. It's important to have friends that you have a fun time with and you're on vacation with. And you drink by the kiddush with, and you enjoy. Those are also good, but you have to also have friends that you can have real conversations with, because th those are the real friends. I just want to clarify two things. 
So we spoke about the three keys, right? Yeah. What was the third one? I want to understand what it meant, but you have to know what, what yourself is, where you're holding. What does it mean by that? What, is it, what does it mean to have a relationship with? So I, I, we yeah, spoke yourself, about yourself. So we spoke about two parts. We, we, you know, we spoke about the, the, idea of, the idea of knowing what you're capable of, which means if I don't define for myself what success and failure is, and I just allow it to be defined by either society around me currently or by the society that I used to be in when I was in yeshiva, then I'm automatically going to either not do what I'm capable of doing, I'm going to be less than, less than I'm capable of, or I'm going to be overshooting. You no, know, back Again, we keep repeating this again, but the Piazzesna talks about, talks about this in the Sefer Chavis and He writes that if there's a person who's wealthy, who loses all of his money, and the person starts to view himself as being poor, the person's going to, the person's going to remain poor for the rest of his life. Plus, by some mazel Hashem gives him money without him trying. But if a person's wealthy and they lose all their money and they still view themselves as being wealthy, and I've had, I've had this with people. I've had people who came to me for Kimcha de Pischa and they told me, you should just know, Rob, I'm, I'm, I'm in a very situation right now, but I guarantee you by next year, I'm going to be the one donating all the money. And maybe they're living in Chalaymas, but if the person really lives with that Chalayim, person really lives with that knowledge that I'm going to become rich again, they'll eventually become rich. That's the Piyat Sesna Rice. And Rice, it's the same thing with Avodah Hashem. If you view yourself as being small, if you say, I'm an Ani, I'm poor, ain't Ani El Abadas, I'm small, I'm not capable of much, you'll remain small for the rest of your life. If you say, I'm rich, I'm capable of something big, I'm capable of doing something larger than where I am now, I can define for myself what success is, then we automatically be successful. One, you know, one of the challenges of not being, being a self-made person, but not being somebody who thinks for themselves, is one of two things happen. Either you don't accomplish as much as you could because society sets the bar lower than you're capable of. So you can be you know, around this in a society where for them, if you learn that is enough and for you, you should be hazarding the twice. So you allow society to set the bar lower than you're capable of. And sometimes society could set the bar higher than you're capable of. And they set the bar as doing the Fiyami and you're not holding by there. You're up to doing, you know, Amad Yaymi, or you're doing an Amad Amad a week. So you can't allow society to set the bar for success and failure. You have to do it for yourself. And yeshiva, there is a certain there is a certain parameter of success which is clear. You got to show up to yeshiva. You have to learn in seminary. You have to show up to classes. You have to be there on time. You have to be listening. You have to take the test. It's very clear. Once you leave that world, you have to be, have enough self awareness and enough self knowledge to decide for yourself what is success and what is failure. Am I succeeding according to my barometer of success, and am I failing according to my barometer? Could I be doing more? Or am I, am I overpushing myself? That's the first thing. And I think, I think the second thing is, you know, which we spoke about as well, is also is, is, is to, figure, to figure out, we, we spoke about, to, to figure out also, which is, is why, am, why am I doing what I'm doing? You know, if I don't have clarity in, in what I'm doing and I don't stop to think about the actions that I'm doing, nothing's meaningful. Tefillin's not going to be meaningful. Davening's not going to be meaningful. Shabbos is not going to be meaningful. If I don't stop to think for myself, what does it mean to me? Like we spoke about Yitzhak Avinu, digging wells, really searching and looking, finding this farm that helped me understand for myself, what does it really mean to me? How do I be able to find it? And, and you know, we mentioned before, Bavavi Mishkan Evna, in a Sefer, he writes such an unbelievable thing. The Gemara and Tainus, and we're in other places, says that even the empty people in Klal Yisrael are full of mitzvahs like a pomegranate. Ask the Bavavi, and many of the Rishonim asked this question already, how can you say that the empty people are full of mitzvahs and they're not empty? You can't be empty and full at the same time. You can't say, even the empty people are Malayam Mitzvah Kariman. If you're empty, then you're not full. Zakta Bilvavi says such an unbelievable pshat. He says, What's the difference between a pomegranate and an orange? 
When you take the peel off an orange, the orange is one, it's one piece of fruit. It's one fruit, it's an orange, you're able to eat the whole thing. When you open up a pomegranate, what do you see? A lot of individual seeds. It's one seed and another seed, another seed. And every seed is separated by a little shell. Every seed is separated by a little bit of that, of that skin of, of the pomegranate inside. He says, you know what the difference between being empty and full is? If you have one cohesive goal, if you have everything in your life is all connected to that world of, I want to get close to Hashem. I want to figure out what Ratzon Hashem is. So then you're an orange, you're, you're an apple. The peel is off and everything's connected. Bring your kid to the babysitter's connected. Shopping is, talking to friends, dealing with challenges, the ups, the downs, everything's one item of, I want to get close to the Rabbanu Shalom. Kir Kim I want to get close to Hashem. I want to fulfill Ratzon Hashem. But if you're living a life without, without ever thinking about what you're doing, so you may be having one mitzvah and another mitzvah and another mitzvah and another mitzvah, but there's nothing connecting any of them. So you're like a pomegranate. There's a lot of individual seeds. You put them fill in one day and the next day and the next day and the next day, but there's nothing that connects your tefillin to your davening. And there's nothing that connects your davening to your work. And there's nothing that connects to your work, to your shalom vice. Everything is just little individual seeds. So it's amazing, but you're missing that. You're missing the thing that pulls everything together, which is, I want to get close to Hashem and I want to figure out how to, everything in my life allows me to get close to Hashem. And I think those are, those are you know, two of the quiz we spoke about, having real self-awareness. Is first of all, deciding for yourself what success and what failure is. And this is where those other two parts that we spoke about is talking to Rabbeim, talking to friends to make sure that, you know, what I'm, what I'm saying actually makes sense to run and buy somebody else. And then also to be able to figure out what's my goal. What do I want out of life? What do I want out of my relationship with my wife and my kids? What do I want out of shul? Do I want to just go into shul and down? What do I want out of a shul? What do I want out of my davening? What do I want out of life? What's my goal in life? And to be able to, you know, to have the real, real self-awareness in, the, in those two areas, I think is, is crucial. How does one how does one change their mindset if they like you said they have a mindset of they can't do more and um, the Rebbe says you could but you know he walks around with the and the katnus so it, it really it really depends and this is you know this is weird again these these three keys all all you know tie into each other if you have enough self awareness sometimes you can tell the Rebbe listen I know that's the way you see things. But I'm just telling you the reality is not really the way you see things. I just want to let you know that there's something going on inside of me that's not allowing me to become the person that you think I'm capable of. So, you know, there's one scenario where the Rebbe may be setting the bar too high for you. And if you have enough self-awareness, you can tell the Rebbe, I'm not capable of that. And there's another, there's another scenario where the Rebbe really knows you better. And the Rebbe really is, you know, has the ability to push you along and say you're capable of more. You can do more with the talents that Hashem gave you than you're doing currently. And you say, okay, I have to start thinking of myself as big. We, you know, we don't, if we don't have enough self-confidence in ourselves to think of ourselves as doing something big, we're not going to be successful. Rabbi Tzaddik very famously writes, very famously, probably the most famous piece in Sitka at Tzaddik. Tzaddik writes, Kishem, the same way, Shechayev Adam Lahamim HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The same way, it's a Chiev for a person to believe in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He writes the same way. I'm paraphrasing, I don't remember his exact lashon, but a person also needs to believe in himself. If we don't believe in the Rabban Hashem inside of us, so we start to limit what we're capable of and say, ah, we're not really capable of doing something big. We can do something small, you know, I'm a little schlepper, I could do a little, we're capable of so much more than we know. And that's like the Piazza was saying, think of ourselves as rich, as capable of something big and we'll become something big. If we think of ourselves as small and insignificant, we're never going to become anything big. We have to think, think large, really think large for ourselves. Thank you for everyone. We have a beautiful, beautiful share tonight. Let's go to closing now. Now we'll wrap it up. Um, again, thank you for coming on tonight. 
and giving such a like eye-opening, you know, concept of just staying connected. And uh, it was really, really powerful and the inspiration of physic. And uh, I think that, I think we have a lot more to talk about. Um, again, tonight, share one-on-one. Now we go back to the Gematrias. I think it fits pretty well. Um, again, if anybody wants to join the Shirim, please uh, WhatsApp me at 848-525-0066. Every Sunday, I'll send you the flyer. Go to manachemburnful.com, sign up. Uh, for his uh, Sunday flyer as well. Again, every Sunday night, 9.30, we have a phenomenal share. The Zoom ID, please come join, let people know about it. Next Sunday, we have, for a second time, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Doctor and Mrs. Doctor uh, Rebitson to Mark Perlman coming up. Two, two, they're both professors and therapists, very, very well-known people. I just spent jobs with them. And uh, they're going to be coming on next week talking about marriage, really taking marriage to the next level. I'm not sure the exact topic because we didn't really come out with the title yet but it should be unbelievable they were on about a year ago and it's what it was they're a really unbelievable team so please join us um and again everything's recorded so we make sure i'm on the website tomorrow menachemmerful.com if anybody has any questions or anything please email coach menachem at gmail.com everyone review if people want to know if they can reach out to you do you have an email address somebody has a question or something they can reach out to you yeah my email is at binyamin w and gmail what is it what is it binyamin w and gmail.com Yamw at gmail.com. Okay, and uh, tonight's uh, share is 101, and Mitchell will be up on our phone lines tomorrow at 848-777-GROW. That's 848-777-GROW. Again, thank you to all the advertising sponsors, Lakewood Scoop, Rabbi Yannick Kazak, Ellie and Ariel from the Five Towns Central, and a special thank you to Kyla Kaufman from Shmuel Summer and JCN for always promoting us on all the Jewish platforms. Um, okay, let's wrap it up. Coach Benachem, let's go. Thank you, Rabbi Weinrib. I, I must say tonight, the, the concept is very deep and um, it does take time. We're talking about people could be living one way till now and telling them to stop and figure out what do you really want? Who are you? And uh, many people now have never thought that way, you know, being busy and doing everything, even if you're doing everything right, davening, learning and, and from the outside, being part of, and then it looks like you have a rav and you have a shul and you have a, a, she, a shear. But tonight, it could be that we have to stop for a moment and think, maybe I'm not connected to the rav the way I should be. Or the chavra that we have together is, you know, just eating chalant is, you know, or learning the daf, daf is, doesn't really mean, doesn't is not exactly what we're looking for. It's good, but we're not talking about the self-awareness part. And then the... The deepest thing over here is the self-awareness. And like I mentioned, it could be very hard. You're talking about people have certain beliefs and concepts about themselves, could be coming from very deep. They, they could think that this is who I am. And it could be coming from a teacher uh, or, or even a parent when a person is young and they pick up a certain way of looking at themselves and that's it, it's fixed. And to really stop and say, wait a second, why do I feel this way? Where's it coming from? Who said? Maybe not. It's really uh, reinventing and finding yourself. And another, another reason why it could be hard, like you mentioned, you want somebody who's alive. Did ever want somebody who's alive? So he'll teach him how to grow. Once you become in touch with emotions, it's a whole new world. It's a whole new world. You can find yourself in a, in a high and in a low. You know, it's, it's much easier to just coast just look around look what everybody's doing and continue like everybody else much easier but then you're not in touch with yourself 
The second you stop looking around and look at yourself, you say, wait a second, what do I want? Where am I going? What, am I, what does my surrounding look like? That's when you get in touch with your, your highs and lows. And that's why you need the Hevra, good friend, and the Rebbe to be able to hold your hands no matter what, what's going on, to be able to grow and believe in yourself. So thank you very much, Rabbi Weinrib, and Hashem should help everybody should have Siyata Deshmaya on their journey in Mitzvah Hashem. Rabbi Weinrib, before you give us a good closing of physic, let's go. We want to stay connected. Just uh, Throw the fastball. Uh, huh? Throw the pitch. Just, get it going. Uh, the, only, the only pitch I'll give is like, is like Coach Menachem saying, next time you get in a car, you know, I, I don't know how much people walk, but next time you get in a car, don't turn anything on. Don't turn on a don't turn on a shear. Don't turn on a don't turn on a podcast. Don't talk, don't call anybody. Sit in your car for a 10, 15 minute drive by yourself and just allow your thoughts to allow yourself to sit and think. Am I happy? Am I successful? Could I be more successful? Do I feel like a failure even though I'm being successful? Can I get better friends? Can I get better obeying? Just stop and think. I'm telling you, if we do this for 15 minutes a day, uh, I can guarantee you. Uh, it's not my aftacha. This is you know from, from everybody that will. For the big tzaddikim, we're going, to, we're going to be changed people. 15 minutes a day, just stop and think. Eventually, you get to the place where you can really talk to the Rabbani Shalom. You can really make real his bainanos, his whatever it is. But real, you know, we're, we actually start to dig, dig under, the, uh, under the layers. We're, we're, as people, we're very, very complex. And we have so many layers. And, you know, like Coach Menachem said, we like to run away because the scariest, the scariest person we can ever meet is ourselves. We're petrified of meeting ourselves. And therefore, it's so much easier to just... To fill our noise with fill our heads with static constantly and noise constantly and conversations. And they could be good things. It could be I'm listening to Shiram constantly, but I'm never stopping to think about how does the Shir talk to me? What, what do I need to hear in my life? What is my growth? What are my challenges? Then then all the Shiram are just it's noise and it's static and it's just it's not allowing me to really become in touch. So I I I think the closing pitch is if we can all together as a chevra, we mechazak each other and say, let's try to be more, you know, more aware, more cognizant of what we're doing, why we're doing it. How we're doing it, what our relationship with Hashem looks like, you know, and Mitzvah Hashem will be able to work on these three nakudas that we spoke about, and be able to work on recognizing that we're in a lechatchila. Our matzav is the most lechatchila that it could ever be, because for today this is my matzav, and Mitzvah Hashem by doing that, I think we'll be able to become superstars in Mitzvah Hashem. Everybody have a good night. We'll see Mitzvah next Sunday night, May fifteenth. Mister, Mrs., Doctor, and Doctor Akiva and Tamar Perlman. Good night. Yeah. Hi, it's Coach Menachem here. If you enjoyed, please consider supporting us with a small monthly monthly donation to help sustain the future episodes. And it will be greatly appreciated. Thank you in advance.